Hello, sweet dorks. We are new to Who. Whether you don't know the old and only the new, or just need an entry into classic Doctor Who, we are the chaps with suggestions for you. I'm Dan. I'm Stephen. I'm Cole. And I'm Jeremy. Hey! (laughs) Special guest this time. Doctor Who royalty, Jeremy (laughs) Raddick on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan, so it's nice to be on. (laughs) That's very flattering of you. It's really great that we've got you today. Because we're doing something a little bit different, aren't we? <laughs> well, we have done every Doctor. Yeah. William Hartnell through to Sylvester McCoy, but there's mm. one glaring omission yeah. in the classic run of Doctors. <laughs> yeah. It's the Paul McGann television movie. Yeah. 1996. <laughs> what a year. Steve, I remember when you said to me that we were doing this next, and you must have just looked at my face because you said, now hear me out, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> And Jeremy, why have we got you on this episode of all episodes? Uh, because I was lucky enough to play Gareth in the Doctor Who. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. So this is why, ladies and gentlemen, sweet dogs, we have Doctor Who royalty with us. We this... actually have a yeah. cast member on the show. I'm like, I'm like a very minor house royalty. I'm like, you know, what's below an earl or a <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm something... Do you realise you are the only man in the world who has been given a jelly baby by the Eighth Doctor? Yeah, I kept that for probably about 10 years. And then it, it eventually just shrunk into a, like an unrecognisable blob. Oh. So I had to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> you kept it. Oh, oh my God. God. So because yeah. uh, maybe not everyone not everyone knows this, but you, um, you were a huge fan of the show before you were in the movie. Could maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into Doctor Who and yeah, tell us your little story. Well, my earliest memory, or well, not my earliest one, I mean, I'm sure my mother might be my earliest memory, but a close second <laughs> after that is John Pertwee's season 11 title theme, uh, oh, which wow. terrified me as a small child. It's wonderful. Um, there's something about his face going down and the music mm-hmm. and everything. And, and uh, so I was always, it was always a show that scared me. And I never really watched. And then um, eventually... Uh, I had a cousin who was who was English, and he had a giant poster of Peter Davison and the TARDIS team on his wall, and I'd watched uh, the Five Doctors, so that was the first ah. full yeah Doctor oh, Who story wow. I ever watched. Yeah, right. Amazing. Uh, and then I I liked it. I mean, I I I was kind of intrigued by it, and then sorry, this is going to be a little more detailed, and you're probably interested. No, we but won't. I, no, no, bring it. When I was seven, when I was seventeen, I left home. Uh, to move to a different city because I was filming a television show. And um, I was a, what they call like a, a, a semi-regular on the show. So I would shoot like one day a week, you know, two days a week. So I didn't have time to do anything else, but I had lots of free time. And there was a video store around the corner from my apartment that had uh, this deal where you could rent seven movies for seven days for seven dollars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I would go through those in about a day and a half. And they had... <laughs> And I one day I walked in there and there was this beautiful. It was like the light was shining on it, and I heard like a little choir saying. Oh! <laughs> and there was it was a big double Doctor Who set of the War Games, oh, and wow. um, I watched that in one sitting, uh, just sort of spellbound. And then from there I was a diehard fan. So that was probably like ninety, ninety three, ninety four, uh, oh, and right before the movie was shot in ninety five. So that's and so it's good I was a gigantic fan, gigantic fan. Yeah, that's brilliant. The war game. So Patrick Troughton, yeah. your doctor. Patrick Troughton is my doctor. He is Fantastic. my. I mean, you know what? Hang on, hang on. First, I have to say, if Paul or Sylvester are listening to this, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I think Paul knows this and he's okay with it. I always like make the thing other than the the ones that I managed to actually, you know, go out for dinner with a few times. But um <laughs> but yeah, no, um Patrick Troughton's my doctor. He's 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 the guy that made me fall in love with the show. Mm, and yeah. uh and yeah, and so I was yeah, I was a huge fan and then wound up being in the movie. Can we ask how how that came to be? I mean, is it just a regular sort of regular old audition casting kind of a story? Nope, it's actually a good story. Um, so, <laughs> what, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I don't quite know how old all of you are, but I'm going to assume you're all younger than me. So, at the time, Doctor Who, it was it living in Canada and stuff. It was really hard to get news about Doctor Who. So, I was a fan, but it was hard to get news mm. about what was happening. Oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, and then one day I was. I was stage managing a series of plays uh, in Vancouver with a bunch of actors. And so I was working behind the scenes. I was super busy and it was very stressful and, you know, kind of helping the producer and the director get the show up. And this friend of mine came in and he goes, I just auditioned for the weirdest thing. And I'm like, yeah, what, what was it? And he said, ah, it's like a Sherlock Holmes in space. He's got a phone booth like Bill and Ted and he's traveling around. And I just wasn't paying attention. I went, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I stopped dead in my tracks and I went, hang on, is it called Doctor Who? And he said, yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> and so I, I called my agent and I said, um, I'll be a chair, I'll be a potted plant, yes. anything that you want me to be, but I've got to be in this. Oh my! And God. so my agent, to his credit, he called up the casting director and, um, and she said, well, you know, I don't know how much you guys know about how these things are made, but you know, the casting director will do a preliminary audition where they bring in a bunch of people they think are right. And then they will narrow that down so that when through callbacks, so that when the director comes in, he's only seeing three to five people. Right. Uh, and she said, well, you know what, I've already done the, the narrow downs and I've already, you know, got who I want to do. And I, I don't really feel the need to open it up again. And my agent to his to his forever credit, just said, listen, how many times have you had to explain what this show is to an actor? Uh, and she said, oh, my God, I have to. It's endless. I just have to explain what this thing is. And my agent said, tell the director he'll never have to explain a joke or a reference or anything. To him oh, he's a fan. Very yeah. clever. That is clever. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when he's working with all Canadian actors, there's a lot of explaining going on, right? So she wow. said, okay, I'll tell you what. He can come and crash the audition. If I have time, I'll fit him in, but I'm not guaranteeing anything. Oh. And so I came and I crashed the uh, the director auditions, and I went before Mr. Sachs, Jeffrey, and, and did the audition. And then um, the actor that told me about the part, he and I went out for lunch and sat there with the phones on the table, <laughs> just staring at each other like, who's going to get this? Who's it going to be? And um, <laughs> and then a few days later, they they uh, they called me and told me I had it. And it was uh, I think I did like a I did a handstand. I was wow. blown away by, by being able to be on it. So it was a it was a great that was a great it was a good story. It was a good hustle story too. So it was fun. yeah. I hope you bought your agent a beer after that. You, yeah. <laughs> He he got his fifteen percent, yeah. and I mean, you know, <laughs> no, no, he was he was a that was a guy named Ross Rhodes. He was a wonderful agent who uh, uh, who was sadly got sick and and soon stopped being my agent after that, and he's still around, but. Uh, but he was he was a wonderful agent. So yeah, he got lots of Christmas presents for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he yeah. got you the movie. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, what a oh, story! Yeah. Brilliant.
Yeah, I mean, he knew just the right way to handle it, right? So that was that was a good thing to do. So that was a real in. What an in! <laughs> that's that was that's very yeah. clever. Very clever. Yeah, it's the only time being a gigantic nerd has really <laughs> yeah. paid off in my career. <laughs> oh man! All right, so should we get into this? Yeah, let's do this. Right. <sighs> Doctor Who the movie. The wow. movie. Okay, uh, so should we do the production team? Let's let's start with the production team. And this is this is very different from our usual style of going through sure. the yeah. producers and the. The directors. There's no script editor on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the executive producer, not producer this time, Philip Segal. Sure. Yep. The director is Jeffrey Sachs, and the writer is, is Matthew Jacobs. Let's go through each of these in turn. And Jeremy, I would be fascinated yeah. to hear stories, yeah. and mm-hmm. anecdotes. Yeah. Philip, well, Philip Segal. Apparently, Philip Segal was born in America but grew up in the UK. Is that right? Yeah, and it was a massive Doctor Who fan, yeah. right? Yeah, he was a yeah gigantic Doctor Who fan, and like I think he he um he cut his teeth working for Amblin, which mm, is yeah. Steven Spielberg's company. Yeah, so that's yeah. sort of how he got his juice to get production deals done. Yeah, and this guy was chasing Doctor Who for a long time. I yeah. heard from pretty much when Ghostlight was being filmed, so the last classic Doctor Who story. Okay, he was already on the case, and he went through a number of different production companies that he worked for. But he always had this as like a passion project, and he was always pushing it, trying to sort of get it commissioned on U.S. television. It was difficult, I, sent, I, I guess, largely because the BBC wanted uh, creative control. Yeah. But yeah. also it was a massive money spinner for them, right? So they didn't mm. want to be sort of giving away the cash cow at the same time. So we had, you know, four, five, six years of negotiations before we actually got um, Fox involved. And, and um, they mm. were the network in the US that, yeah. that basically funded the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it was definitely Philip Segal. If it wasn't for him, I don't think we would have had a 1990s Doctor Who story at all, never mind a <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. Um, <laughs> and we may have got lost in the dark dimension if the two, if the two weren't uh, <laughs> oh, <no>. competing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So I think, I think we owe him a great um, I, debt of thanks. Absolutely. Because, I, I, you know, what would have happened if there wasn't someone like that or people like that mm. around in the 90s? Manning the helm. This. Yeah, absolutely. It would have got lost. Yeah. You're right. I think you're right, Cole. And I have a I have a great story about Phil Siegel. Um, two things. One, when I got on the set, he um, he said, "Why don't you go down to the prop department?" And I got down there, and the TARDIS was there. <gasps> and um, Sylvester's uh, sonic screwdriver was there. And so the prop guys let me hold his sonic screwdriver and and you know touch the TARDIS. And the other thing that oh um, Philip Siegel did that actually no other producer in film and television has ever done is about three months after I finished shooting, uh, he sent me a letter um, to my apartment. Uh, so it was delivered via post and it had the diamond logo on it because uh-huh. that's the logo they used for production. And uh, he said, thank you very much for your wonderful work and look forward to seeing the, the, the film. And, and the, the letter closed with, and look forward to seeing Doctor Who uh, on Fox as a TV series in the fall. Yeah, so at that yeah. point, they were still pretty high on it. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he was a very classy guy and very excited. And, you know, it was very kind of him to send uh, a letter to, a you know, I was just on the shoot for a day, you know. Mm. And, um, mm. yeah, and he was really a, a class act. So... I got. I have lots of respect and love for Philip Siegel because he just he. It was his devotion that got it made, but also he, he behaved in a way that showed you know that sort of uh, inherent classiness, really. Yeah. So. And and did he know that you were a massive Doctor Who fan as well? Mm-hmm. He did because he asked me on the day of uh, of shooting, uh, like, so what did you think? And I was like, that's ah, good. <laughs> um, <and> I, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, and I mostly thought it was. And I think when we go into spoilers, we can talk about the things that we thought, but um, and uh, and talk about the state of Doctor Who at the time. And uh, but yeah, but mostly I thought it was. And 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 he was interested and very nervous about how the fans were going to receive it. Oh, okay. So let's uh, let's talk about Jeffrey Sachs, who's the director. Sure. I think he does a great job, and we'll go into that later on. Uh, but this is a man who is schooled in both British television and American film, so maybe the right choice uh, for directing right. this particular story. You know, he was a really low key guy. He was um, kept things going, very quiet and calm. I don't know if I have any particularly great stories. I do remember him asking the the. When you're a day player like I was, I don't really talk to the director that much before shooting, but um, the first AD, the, the assistant director, would, would call me. And I remember this is interesting, too. Um, there's a girl that runs up and kisses me in the end during the New Year's Eve thing. And um, he said he called me and he said, hey, do you have a, a girlfriend? Because, you know, uh, it's sometimes tricky to ask extras to just walk up and kiss a stranger. <laughs> and uh, so the director's asking if you have a girlfriend who would be willing to be an extra, and that way they wouldn't have to ask someone who's maybe maybe make them uncomfortable or something like that. And I don't think it was an insult to me or anything like that. I don't think you say you're not handsome enough to get... But I, I remember thinking, well, that's actually pretty cool because there's nothing worse than being on a set and they just pick the prettiest girl in the background and all of a sudden make you know some some extras would be happy with that and they would take the featured opportunity but um you know he seemed like a really kind sort of quiet professional guy and and there were so much night shoots on that set that if you didn't have someone who was that kind of temperament you were going to have a problem and so yeah so I, I have nothing but fond memories of him but i just remember him being uh you know pretty pretty in charge but in a quiet way yeah. I've just realized, I didn't realize at all until now, that the whole movie is at night, pretty much, isn't it? Uh, Very much, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, from start to finish. Why have I much? never yeah. picked that? <laughs> okay, yeah. cause so, yeah. it's, so it's it's the night before. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah all right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, a couple of fun facts also about Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, in 2001, he directed Othello, a sort of modern adaptation of the Shakespeare play. And Christopher Eccleston was the main villain, Ben yeah. Jago, uh, as in the Iago role. Okay. <laughs> and in 2011, he directed uh, Christopher and His Friends, which stars Matt Smith. Okay. So Doctor Who relations there as well. Uh, and the writer, a man who definitely has Doctor Who relations, is Matthew Jacobs. Oh, I mean, I didn't meet Matthew when we when he were on oh, set. Okay. I mean, like you know, with Hollywood type film production the least important person oh. on the shooting set is the writer it's like the exact opposite of the way you do everything else yeah um but you know they he wasn't there that i remember at all mm. um but i've met him since then and he's a he's wonderful and like yeah i think it was it his his father father and really, the gun he has a gunfighters connection yes doc holiday in, in the gunfighters is that right the that's serial. right that's right <laughs> and i've heard matthew yes. jacobs talk about how he was sort of taken on set by his father oh my goodness. and he was there at the filming of the hartnell story oh Lord. my god oh, that's crazy <laughs> and he had the he had the hardest job i thought because oh, that's man. a you know that was that was a hard script, I think, to get nailed down. So yeah, even just the concept of this thing where they had to try and bridge, you had to bring in fans from the old show and throw in a few things for them. Mm. Um, but you couldn't just hit the ground running. You had to sort of bring because they were obviously they're making this movie. Uh, mm. They're probably making it for the American audience as much as uh, the, the fans yeah. as a pilot for possibly a new show. So they have to 
sort of cram as much backstory into the start, and that's really hard to do in a in a in a, in a great in a good way. So I think he did a it's a pretty decent job of like kind of what meshing I, it together. I, I want to know whether he wrote in the Sylvester McCoy regeneration, or if it's thanks to someone like Phil Siegel that we had that. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I also read that Yentob and Joe Wright wanted didn't want Sylvester. They wanted to they wanted him out. Really? Yeah, because he they thought this he is was, what I yeah. mean. Yeah. Like, who have we got to thank for this? Because yeah. Jeremy, do you know yeah, the answer that. to this? I do think that they didn't. I, the story that I always heard was that they wanted another doctor of some kind. Now, right. it, the story that I've always heard is that it was Tom. Uh, yeah. Tom Baker or I could say, somebody I could, like that that hmm. they wanted to have them be the old doctor and in the script that's what he was called he was called the old doctor oh, so wow. it wasn't seventh doctor or anything else I think Matthew would know better than I would but um, I believe it was he and Philip Siegel that said no it has to be a direct carry on mm. from the series thank uh, goodness and fought for Sylvester I believe I, I yeah I did read that um, Ellen Yentob, the BBC controller at the time, and Joe Wright, who was the sort of I think she's the BBC liaison for movie. They didn't want Sylvester because they kind of they he was kind of associated. Like they, you know, they they associated him with the with the failure of the show, which is something that that's I really personally unfair, very yeah. disagree. It's very unfair. <laughs> Super disagree yeah. with that. But um, but yeah, we also heard another story. Oh yeah, that actually Sylvester's part as the the old Doctor was meant to be a lot lot bigger, mm. uh, but I think we might tell that story later on this episode. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of Sylvester, uh, yeah. I suppose we could use him as a segue to talking about the Titus team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we will start. Let's start with Sylvester. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember when I, uh, how old was I when this came out? Maybe fourteen. I was so excited just to see even a few we minutes. We all of, were. Yeah. Sylvester, yeah. who's my, my favorite Doctor, and like, uh, <laughs> man, uh, he was great. <laughs> I just loved. I think we all love that TARDIS console room interior. Oh, of course, yeah. Wow. And to see Sylve in it. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was great. Uh, With the outfit and the hat and stuff. But, like, like, yeah, and he only gets a sort of a brief... A brief chuck in, doesn't he? And he well, it's, yeah, it's probably I mean, in the first act of the of the movie, which is yeah, which is you know pretty large. It's probably and it was so important minutes. to get right. I, I think so. Yeah, I think it's also important that they had him in the sense that it would have been very easy if oh. this didn't take off, mm. right? To just sort of say, well, that was an aberration. Paul McGann is an official doctor. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Not that I believe in canon or anything like mm-hmm. that. Sure. But that continuity sort of gave it that sort of BBC blessing that this is a continuation of the spirit of the show, and yeah, they, this is the eighth Doctor. They could have just started it so easily just yeah. with Paul McGann. Like, yeah. And you know what? We're walking, ta- just walking on screen and saying, you know, I'm the Doctor. Hey, what's up? Yeah, and you know, we were talking about Matthew Jacobs before and the hell of a job that he had to try and cram all of that in, plus mm. get a new modern audience in. Mm-hmm. His job would have been so much easier if mm, they yeah. just had a new Doctor and there yeah. wasn't any sort of continuity that needed yeah. explaining, much yeah. less a regeneration. That's got to be Siegel and Jacobs, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I love the fact that Sylvester's in there because it's, yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. I say, there's a there's a passing of the baton, if you like. Yeah. It's probably my favourite scene in the film, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I loved Sylvester. I mean, Curse of Fenric at that time was being, was in my, like, mm. top, oh. top five mm-hmm. yeah. Doctor Who's ever. So, I mean, I the biggest bummer for me was I wasn't ever on set with him. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, totally. he's great. He's so, I mean, I, and they capture, like, um, he feels like the end the end result of what he'd been building to by the end of the series, right? Mm, so mm. a little sadder, a little more melancholy, mm. uh, a little more subdued. That all fit yeah. perfectly. Yeah. I'm not sure how it played for new viewers. New viewers were probably like, who's this yeah. sad weirdo? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they probably felt that way. But um, 
but I just, and I think his look was great. I think, I, I believe, and I think Sylvester told me this one time and that he insisted if he was going to come back, that he wasn't wearing the same costume, that it was yeah. going yep. to be something yep. a little different. No, no sweater. No sweater. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I just think it was, it was a great end. I mean, I, we could talk about how he goes out, but, um, but I think it was nice in terms of the character. He was, it just fit perfectly, and it yep. was so great to see him again. He does, he does, he does re- immediately feel familiar, but it also does feel like some time has passed because he does feel like kind of an mm-hmm. older version. Of yeah, yeah. definitely. It's only I, been a, it, only been like six, seven years since mm. he left, but it does feel a little longer than that. I, I like that though, I like, and I like that how <clears throat> a doctor changes during his tenure, and by the end, it's yeah. Do you, do you know what I think it's like for me? It's like that gap between season 17 and season 18 with Tom, where you see mm. a visibly older Tom yeah. on, yeah, on Brighton Beach. Yeah. Definitely. It's like how many centuries have passed where he and Romana have been just, you know, gallivanting yeah. over the universe. Oh, absolutely. I and love that idea. And, and it happens here as well, I think. Yeah. It also works in terms of we've got the, the new adventures. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Sure. Sort of sitting in that gap, right? And there's yeah, every sure. conceivable notion that these those stories happened you know the doctor the yeah. seventh doctor was out being times yeah. champion yeah. and and all of that stuff sort of coalesces nicely and feeds into the into the, the tv good, movie the good new adventures and the bad new adventures <laughs> all, <laughs> all <laughs> crammed yeah. into one it's right i take it as it comes it worked well with capaldi as well don't you think the, the, the version it's of capaldi season nine had. to ten yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that that oh my gosh absolutely yeah. marks that sort of maturation of the doctor and and that sort of sense of this is an ancient being who's lived you know yeah. centuries and centuries so yeah mm. I just like the idea that uh, he got to have an ending uh, after the season, the series that kind of ended in a weird way where they, di- they didn't really, you know what I mean? They didn't really tell them that it was going to be over. Mm. And then yeah. they get, get to come back and film an ending. And it's just nice to get that closure, I think. Yeah, yeah. the tea got yeah, cold. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we all snickered like nerds. Ho, 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 in jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Sylvester McCoy. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Eighth Doctor. A dreamy. <laughs> The dreamy dishy Paul McGann. Paul McGann. <laughs> I once can I just say at this point, I just have to tell this story. Okay. Uh, I saw Paul McGann in the TV movie, and it wasn't until years later mm. that uh, I next saw him, or rather heard him on television. And it was late at night, and it was <laughs> a documentary about, of all things, escalators. What? And I was listening to this voice, and I'm thinking, oh my god, so that is this audible is- chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was just mesmerized. And I was like, it was bugging me because I couldn't quite place the voice. And wow. I just stayed up yeah. until like 2.30 in the morning just to get the, to the to the credits. And it was narrated by Paul McGann. And oh. I was like, of course it's Paul McGann. Yeah. The most amazing voice out of all the doctors, I think. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, his voice is beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's dreamy. I think I saw he was in the three, I think he was in the Three Musketeers movie with Chris O'Donnell. He was. But I, that's the next. Oh, that's I, right. I don't know if that's before. I think it's after. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I'm probably wrong about it. It but, is um, after. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the next. That's the next thing I remember yeah. seeing him in. And he's um he's 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 like a, a deliberately annoying, stupid character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. It's like that's that's the part he's got. And then I think uh-huh. the, I didn't see him again for years. I think the next thing I saw him in was like Luther, which was only a few oh, years yeah. ago. Bridget yeah. was Bridget was watching like binging. All of Luther, which, yeah, and uh, he just popped up as the husband of Luther's like ex-wife, and I was like, I was jumping up and down, I was like, that's Paul again, and I was like, how could he be more handsome now? And it's, it's, I was like, it's, yeah. Every time he, it's a, uh, you know, I'm in the kitchen or something, or like on my laptop while Bridget's watching the show, and every time Paul, I hear Paul McGann's voice popping, I'm like, oh, 
And it's just like, how did his voice get more sonorous? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Bridget had to stop me from bringing it up. It's, it's supremely infuriating to run into Paul McGann at a convention 20 years after you acted with him and realize somehow you're both now the same age. <laughs> I, how is that possible? He was older than me. And now we are the same age. He's, <laughs> he's got a painting in his attic that is, yeah. just looks horrible. Like, it looks great. It's, he's just making yeah, it uglier. As, every, you know, every other day, he just goes and puts a paint yeah. stroke on it, so it makes him more handsome. He, yeah. he, he looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And he dresses mm-hmm. so well. <laughs> he's, oh, he always looks so good. Oh, Look, we've know. all got a crush on Paul McGann. Yeah, maybe. Let's yeah. talk I about mean, 1990s. We're only human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about His hair always looks good. Paul McGann. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. And that's a and so the, the movie Paul McGann. That's a wig. I it didn't is. realize oh, until right. recently. Well, he pulls it off. <laughs> it's a. I don't. Yeah. Don't Come on, he's beautiful. It's the only part of the the uh, the, the movie Doctor that I don't like because I really I think he's great. I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The wig. Bridget. When he came on screen, Bridget was like, "He looks like the safety dance guy." <laughs> <laughs> Fine Canadian band right there. Yeah, that totally. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Have to put a link to that, I think, Dan. Oh, oh any excuse to link to the safety dance. Oh my god, I love that song. Great video. Um uh, so yeah, the costume. Mm, it's great, right? Beautiful costume. It's the first time ever that the doctor's costume the doctor's outfit is a literal Halloween costume. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because he finds it in the lockers, right? And it's I told you he like, he pulls off anything. Like he can pull off anything. I think as a kid I was kind of like Almost not insulted, but I was like, "This is what Americans think of the Doctor that he's wearing it. Yeah, yeah, Halloween yeah. costume, <laughs> Byronic outfit." Yeah, but it is wow. awesome. Right? It's great, right? It's um, yeah, it's fantastic. I didn't, I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, that's yeah, that's just a, yeah, an angry teen. Well, I, I I love Paul. I mean, he's so great. I mean, he was so perfect for that mm-hmm. particular moment, and also for the approach that they wanted to make. And I actually kind of think there wouldn't be, not that there wouldn't be, but I think he. Um, he kind of points to the way the the new series writes the Doctor in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, like that energy that he has. Yes. Um, mm. And and he was he was I don't know if it was because he was surrounded by people who are North American, but the eccentricity feels really effortless with him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It feels very come about from a place of exuberant. Like he rooted it in a. I'm eccentric not because I'm a weirdo, but because I have this exuberance for life and I have mm. this zest and mm. that makes me say and do things that is that are strange uh, because most people are kind of <laughs> – are sort of dead inside. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it, it, I'm just – I'm making a joke. But I mean like you really got a sense of like there's a reason why you would get into a TARDIS and travel with this oh, guy yeah. oh, because yeah. he's like – I'm going to show you exciting things and I'm mm. going to be excited about them. And mm. um, so that's to me the biggest shame that the show didn't go from from there because his mm. doctor, I think, would be a particularly great one to go and oh. and see new worlds and new places with him. So yeah. I really I really loved his doctor. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah it would be it's, just like a, a fun adventure. He'd be running around, I, dancing, jumping up and down. I feel I feel like he... He should have still got his series at some point. Mm. He should have still got his series, whether it was an English I series. I was going to get into this later, oh, Cole, okay, but okay, okay, let, No, let me, t- let me tell it now because it's, okay. it's, it's a good point. All right. Uh, there was a period in time when it, like, you know, Doctor Who has been off the air for 18 months, two mm. years here and there mm. throughout the Moffat era th- uh, yeah. in particular, right? And I just sort of think instead of making class, what mm. if they just oh gave McGann yeah. yep. six episodes and got yeah. a new production team in, mm. new writer, whatever else, 
So Moffat has a rest and is able to, you know, conceive Series 10 and use mm. the budget at that point in mm. time. But the budget that's used for class <laughs> could have been a Paul oh, McGann series. Oh, I'd say the budget was a lot smaller for class, though. <laughs> um, no, I think it was the same or close to the budget that they would have used for seri- uh, really? 10 if they'd, Series 10 if they'd used it that year. Yeah. I don't think you need a big budget for a, for a Paul McGann six-parter. That is my great what-if, I we, think, of we, the last decade of Doctor we, Who. You, you and I like to, like, whenever there's a change happening with Doctor Who, whenever there's going to be a new Doctor, we yeah. don't yet know who it's going to mm. be. You and I often text each other, Steve, and we, like, come <laughs> up with ideas. One of the, your amazing ideas that I wish had happened was, like, I just imagine if McGann's back and they just do a series set in his timeline mm. out of nowhere after the success of Night of the Doctor. Yeah, that would have been the time to On the it. 50th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was still the that. Doctor. He was, oh. that. It was yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it didn't happen. So. It, it didn't happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maybe I mean, somewhere there's a multiverse we've just created where it does happen. <laughs> we're, we're, I think we're really, really lucky we got him because yeah, um, yeah. This, I know that I read that the studio had some terrible ideas about who they were going to oh, cast. Right? Have I you got a list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's true, but I did read that um, the, the front runners, what the studio wanted, were yeah. uh, like they obviously wanted a big star. Right. Uh, that, I mean, that's, what, that's, what, that's what a studio wants, right? Yeah. They want a big bankable star. They, 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 I read that it was a Tom Hanks. <gasps> Harrison Ford oh. and Jim King Carey. Oh. <laughs> no disrespect to the man, but uh, to their, oh, but amazingly, to their credit, of all three of them, they turned it down because uh, I think all three of them turned it down because they were, they thought it would be ridiculous, ludicrous. Yeah, they, <laughs> that they yeah. would be the Doctor. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they didn't want to upset. <laughs> you know, they thought it would be terribly received. Wow. Yeah, they would be right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so right, so smart. But there were other names that you know, mm. and, and this is apocryphal. Um, mm. You know, whether it's it's newspaper talk or, or whatever. But you know, Bill Cosby was mentioned. Oh my god, David Hasselhoff was mentioned. Wow. This is absurd. This is absurd. That must have just been like backroom spitballing. Well, there was a, but there was a lot. Like I remember two names being mentioned a lot when Spielberg was going to direct it. Pierce Brosnan was basically going to be mm. the Doctor. Okay. okay. Um, because he was the only famous British person anybody knew. (laughs) (laughs) And the second choice I heard when it was going to be an American person playing the Doctor was Denzel Washington. Oh, my goodness. Not like if there had never been a British Doctor Who, it's not a terrible idea. That's an Eccleston casting. But it was just, you heard that and you went, oh, my God, what are they? Think. <laughs> so. Don't yeah. cast an American. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> Sorry, Americans. But, but yeah. I, th- I think American fans would probably I feel the same so. way. Yeah. Surely, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if like, we were also that. so lucky to get McGann because actually he he wasn't convinced. Phil really? Segal had to have a number of conversations with him to sort of you know state the case and you know basically sell the project to and him. like. Just let him know that he believed in him. I yeah, guess. Like, I guess so. He yeah, wanted him. Yeah, um, and, and initially Paul was like, "I'm not sure about this," but in the end, we got him. When when we shot, he was very nervous, and um, I kept it very quiet that I was a fan. I didn't mention it to him or to Daphne or to anybody that I was filming with because it's weird to act across from a fan. So I didn't mention it. But um, so, but Paul was very nervous, um, and I think because he knew. A couple of things. He knew it would be the first line of his obituary, and that's a oh, big choice yeah. to make. You know, like, yeah. do yeah. I want to tie myself to that? He knew that. Jeez, um, yeah. You know that it's a big, it's a big responsibility, and there's a long legacy, and mm. you know, and he was, although not a huge star in America, he was very big at the time in England, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I can understand. It's a big decision. It's a big decision for anybody, and a daunting one. And I, I don't think he was. 
I, you know, we talked about Bristol on the set because that's where he lives and where he's from and, uh, you know, how quiet his life was. And I think he recognized that there was an, a real possibility that if he did this show and it went and it was an American show, he, did, he wouldn't have a quiet life anymore. And I mm. think that was worrying to him. Mm. Uh, I know that wow. was worrying to him because we mentioned uh, we've talked about it a little bit since then. And um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was daunting. And I, I understand why Philip Siegel had to talk him into it, because it's a big it's a big choice to make that to take that role. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Especially you... if you're expecting it to become a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, again. definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a two, three year commitment there yep. in on the American side as well. Mm. He'd have to have relocated mm. his family. Mm. It would have been a big move. Yeah, and they don't do season by season, right? Like they would say, you have now a five-year contract. Yeah, right? yeah. So yep. it's like, yep. you know. I wonder how he felt when the series never happened. I wonder how he felt about that. A little bit of a maybe... <laughs> relief yeah. or disappointment well, or what? Bit like, of, I don't bit know. Both, yeah. I'd say. But yeah, a little bit of relief not yeah. to have to move to America. I don't know. That's a, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he would feel about it. I don't know if he has any complaints about where he is now. No. Right? no. He's not, you know. Um, but I, I don't know how he would have felt about that. I imagine it would have been bittersweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah, Paul mm-hmm. McGann, wonderful doctor. Let's go on to the rest of the TARDIS team. Totally, the amazing yeah. Grace Holloway, <sighs> Daphne <Played> Ashbrook. By... <laughs> yes, Daphne Ashbrook. What an entrance! Like I've got a favorite oh, thing oh. is like the bit where she's running down the In hospital slow hallway. To yeah. Yeah. It's so great! Wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was going to come out right now, and say I had a massive crush. <laughs> <laughs> Still well, good. didn't we all? Yeah, we? of course yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> I have. I really have no problem with Grace. I um. No, I really liked no, her. I'd have no problem with her either. Yeah. I think she was wonderful. Daphne Ashbrook's performance is just perfect as as the sort of companion in waiting, almost right. And the sure. real companion that we actually didn't get in yeah. the end. But I think she would have been amazing as a as yeah. the Eighth Doctor's companion on a you know yeah. as you say multiverse yeah uh, <laughs> Fox series that lasted for five seasons. That would have been incredible with those mm. two. I can really see the mm-hmm. chemistry between them as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, yeah I, I like that she was a surgeon. Uh, even though they did that cliche of like playing classical music in there. Oh, well, she's yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it was good. She's she sort of like filled that role of the companion really well. And I think she, you know, she was sort of there to ask questions, mm. but she didn't seem daffy and kind of like useless. She was quite no. There was capable. there was a lot of potential for her character yeah. if there was mm. to be a series. Definitely, I thought yeah. she was really good. And like and a and a grown up, right? Like that's yeah, a, yeah, definitely. How long how long had it been since we'd seen someone who you could really consider to be a grown up? Was it Romana? Romana maybe? Yeah, Liz Shaw? yeah. I'd say Romana. Yeah, yeah. Liz Shaw and Barbara. <laughs> did you say Romana one deliberately because yes, you I feel did. like <laughs> Romana two is a little is a child? <laughs> no, <I> just, <laughs> oh god, the the rivalry continues. <laughs> These two, oh, I swear, we've got hear. Team Lala on one side <laughs> and Team Tam on the other yeah yeah i won't hear words against lala wood anyway uh, but no I, that's a really good point and i think you needed to it's the 1990s look what's you know opposite you know the shows that we have and the, and the female characters that we have on other shows buffy's mm. just around the corner you can't sure, get away yeah, sure. with you know, lover screaming joe grant but you can't do that in 1996 on american television no, you need no, Daphne no, you Ashbrook as, as dr grace holloway and the, and there was another thing too to remember that it was on fox and fox had x files and that's why daphne mm-hmm. has red hair and that's the, that is that kind of oh, chemistry wow. is exactly the chemistry they wanted right and it's another way that matthew had to write a script that served three masters That's you know universal fox and the bbc yeah and the the grace's character was pretty firmly the the jillian anderson analog mm-hmm. in that yeah. script oh, yeah, Great you can point. Point. yeah you can see it you can you can can't you 
Wow. Uh, but that's why she was a doctor, and I think that's why she was a grown-up, and that's why the kiss is there. It's it's all it's all to reflect that, right? So, mm. um, okay. And and Chang Li opposite opposite Daphne Ashbrook as the the other companion in yeah. if you like. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, Yi Ji So as the as the as the um. Uh, He's sort of the master's companion for a little while. He is, isn't he? Yeah, well, gets duped unwittingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, the way in which Adric was sort of conceived initially was almost like an artful dodger character. Turlo is also another yeah, way to sort yeah, of... Turlo, definitely. You know, an agent of the, of the Black Guardian, maybe sort of a continuation of that kind mm. of dynamic as, mm. the, as the companion. Um, what was he like? Oh, I've known... I, yeah, I've known Yiji forever. I mean, I, I, he was on a, a TV show called Northwood, I think, soap opera, when I was doing a show for CBC at the same time. So I, I knew him already by the time mm. we were shooting and he's great i mean he's a level-handed guy he's an amazing photographer um really wonderful photographer and and just uh yeah he was i mean he had to do a lot of stuff with eric and and eric's a, an eccentric fellow um <laughs> and get to so that. you needed someone uh, opposite him that that uh that could really ground the scenes and and i thought it was great i think he would have been if the show had gone ahead i think uh Paul and and Grace and and Chang Lee traveling in the TARDIS would have been a great when he when Paul McGann pulls the uh, the the lever and and you see the three of them around the TARDIS yeah. console yep. for mm-hmm. an instant flying I mean you can see that show definitely immediately <sighs> yeah right? yeah 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 and it would be great because you know Ch- Chang Lee would 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 actually do what Adric was supposed to do and like not mm. be just irritating but sort of get into you mm. know. Uh, morally <laughs> compromised situations and, exactly. and yearn to strive to be more, and I think it would be great. I, I really liked, I really liked what he brought to it. Yeah. He was a little bit of an action, like a little bit of an action character, especially at the start. Like I remember, I don't mm. remember how I felt about him before, but I immediately liked him this time. He was some, <laughs> he was funny and he's fast. And like at the end, at the end, I just really hoped the three of them would go off together yeah, and have adventures. Definitely, that's what yeah. I wanted yeah. at the end because they just there's, looked there's really good as a team. So much potential for all of those characters. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, have, you know, being given the chance. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Eric Roberts. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, let's get to this. Let's get to this. Let's get to the master. <laughs> uh, yeah, our. Uh, I'm going to say my piece at the end. Uh, okay. Our extremely <laughs> so, American master. Our beardless master. Where you going to go with this? Excellent. I love the. I, I, at the time, I had a big problem with the no beard. I, <laughs> yeah, right. Big problem. I couldn't. It's difficult to get past. But let, 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 let's talk about this. So Eric Roberts already. The he's already a pretty well-known actor. Oh yeah. yeah. Very well-known actor at the time. Um. How well was it known that he was Julia Roberts' brother? I don't know. I don't know. I, when I found that out, yeah. I was blown away by that. <laughs> yeah, he's very well known. Well known for playing like kind of crazy-ish characters. So I mean, yeah. it's kind of a an interesting, yeah, an interesting choice. Because I, 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 I kind of assumed that you'd pick another a British guy. Because if mm. not, not just because I'm a, a snooty fan, but also because. <laughs> You know, uh, especially for the American audience and the North American audience, uh, British villains are super, are more, even more evil. You know what I mean? That is an excellent <laughs> point. You know? That is an excellent point, though. Okay, so they went to great lengths to cast an English doctor, yeah. but not an English master. Yeah, knowing film and television production as I do, I think that Eric might have been something they couldn't fight on because you make trade-offs, right? So... If Jeffrey Sachs and Philip Siegel said, "Hey, we've got the, we found the Doctor," and, and Universal and Fox are like, "Great, who is he?" Paul McGann. They'd go, "Who the hell is Paul McGann?" Yep, yep, yep. And um, it, at that point, it might have said, "Fine, you can have Paul McGann, but we want someone mm. named." Yeah. 
mm-hmm. for the master. Totally. And you have to have a name and preferably someone that American audiences are going to know. And uh, that may have been, I, I, I don't know that that's the case, but something like that says to me, like the reason why you cast an American and you put the master in the, in that way tells me that, yeah, that they had to, yeah they left themselves that option so that they could cast whoever they wanted to be the doctor with the prerequisite, the master yep. would be someone known. And, uh, and I think sense. that's why Eric eventually came to the picture because, you know, he was, he was, a uh, you know, uh, a name. He, people knew who he was and, and it was in that sense, kept the show alive. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that needed to be, it was a necessity, I guess, of, you know, horse trading, if you like, in the Hollywood circles. You've but got to have, you have to have one big name. I think yeah. you're, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to sort of admit my first initial feelings as a teenager watching this go out was like, <laughs> Hans Gruber, you needed Alan Rickman oh, as the my master. Goodness. <laughs> oh, that, Paul McGann, yeah. it's a no-brainer. He's already there. He's already in America. Yeah. But, yeah. but and here's my point, and this is where I've come around on Eric Roberts in, mm. the, in the meantime. Sure. Yeah. If you're going to do, and I'm going to give away my high concept of what this movie is, oh. if you're going to if you're going to do Doctor Who and the Americans, <laughs> I think you need to have a sort of British and American duality, right? Okay. Yeah. And the way in which the Doctor is a, as you said, uh, Jeremy, an eccentric British character, mm. is mm-hmm. fo- is sort of foiled against the the Americanness of, of everyone else. Mm. That also has to be in terms of the Master as well. And we've mm. talked about this in the past, where the Master is most successful where he's the inverse, the mirror image. Yeah, sure. twisted mirror image of what the Doctor is. So mm. with 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 Pertwee, who is pure English establishment, we have mm. the Master, who is let's face it, like an embodiment of the yeah. continental other, He's kind oh, of a the communist yeah. Easterner kind of <laughs> yeah. archetype, right? Yeah, exactly, right. Mm. And then yeah. you know, look, and the other great uh, two that I can think of from New Who, John mm. Sim and and Tennant, being you know manic images of one another. Yes, and the Mad Scots in terms of Capaldi and, and Missy and Missy with with um, with um, Michelle, Michelle Gomez. Gomez. Got sort of Ainley's kind of a slimy well, uh, velvety velvety yeah, black see. leather kind well, of antithesis to Peter Davison's nice clean doctor well, there is that but that's a kind reading and I think what he is instead is just a regurgitation of what the, yeah. the um, Delgado master yeah, and he wasn't just Davison he was who was McCoy as well exactly and Baker so, to start with and, and, yeah. and both Bakers in fact true true but here, here right you have that break of the long, long shadow of, of Roger Delgado in the role. Mm. We, we have a beardless mm. master, Cole. Yeah. But I think it actually works in hindsight because you have that sort of, again, the foil between the Britishness mm. and maybe here in terms of like the sort of all-action all American hero. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the name of the character um, that you know he, he inhabits in terms of the, the body mm. is Bruce. That's Bruce Willis. That's a clear <laughs> reference to the all-action mm. all mm. American hero. Mm. And mm-hmm. like this is me sort of, you know, <clears throat> in... In, in the decades since, sort of, you know, spinning around on, on, on my initial ideas around Alan Rickman as, as the master. But I actually do buy Eric Roberts as, the Ameri- yeah. as an American, and in this case, the American He's master to, just to McGann's British doctor. Going back to the no beard. Um, <laughs> you can't uh, let it go. I, don't, no, I just, I just want to mention one thing because you mentioned John Sim. Yeah. And when he reprised the role mm-hmm. in Capaldi's last series I just I thank the lord that he had a beard I, did, I really did that's I, a bit of fan service he was, I know I know but it worked can tell me you didn't appreciate it though. I did Some, appreciate sometimes it, small yeah. things are important but, oh man yeah. well, I was so happy that he had a beard um, <laughs> say, what you, say, say what you like about Eric Roberts and we, can, we will, we'll probably say a lot um, I, I did this time I watched because I watched it last night I found at the very least wildly entertaining because mm-hmm. he really fills mm-hmm. that role out to the very <laughs> margins and probably out, outside the borders like, <laughs> colors bleed you know He's like really, really quiet. Yeah, he's a scene stealer. Uh, I've I've grown to actually love him. 
I got to say, like, I, I, I didn't know what I thought when, I, as a teenager, when I first saw him in the role. But I've, yeah, he's I, grown on me big time. I definitely like, hated him. I, he's my least. <laughs> he's my, he was my least favorite. I thought. I thought he was everything that was wrong with it when I was. Yeah, a well, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt I, that way too. I, I probably, you know, at the time, I thought like, wow, he's going huge. <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought that it was just a large portrayal, but. I kind of think it was genius now. Like I do – if you – it's a performance that looks better now than it did at the time. Yeah. And the the reason why I think that is because the master has gotten more – I think Eric Roberts thought – and he watched the show, right? He was studying in England at the time that the Pertwee years were on. No way. And he actually oh remembered the master, which <laughs> oh. I – yeah, so he did know the show. He did it with and knowledge. and he thought, you know what, the master is operatic, so I'm going to mm. play it in an operatic way. Okay. And what, the thing to me that's really cool about it is mm. that's definitely like each iteration of the master has gotten more and more operatic and more and more bonkers mm -hmm. and more and more sort of outsized. And I think he fits in. I mean, he's got a lot more in common with John Sim and and uh, Michelle Gomez than mm. he does with Roger Delgado. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's fine. I think that that he does not look like an outlier to me anymore. He looks mm. like he slots in just perfectly mm. as a bridge between those two very different interpretations. And he's really, when you look at Anthony Ainley, I mean, Anthony Ainley, my favorite thing, I was watching Castro Valva the other night, and there's a part where he literally puts his hands on his hips and laughs and rocks his head back. And I'm like, there's nothing that Eric Roberts does that is not yeah. equally as big as that. You know, so I mean, so if you're going to say that uh, Eric Roberts is too big, well, Anthony Ainley was too big and, and that's just the way it yeah. goes, right? I, so yep. I think he's, he's, he fits in perfectly. <laughs> I, I really loved last night watching it that they, there's a point where the, you can see the sort of the producers of the studio going, do they, does the audience realize he's evil? Do they know he's evil enough? Maybe we'll get a massive black leather jacket and black leather gloves and black sunglasses and we'll put him in there. And so he's just hanging around in this, like in this super evil outfit. And my uh, favorite, because we were watching it with some, for some reason last night with subtitles, there's a bit where he yeah. does his, um, his big kind of uh, evil guy, his villain laugh. Mm. And it just says, he's doing it, he's going, ha ha, and it says evil laugh. In the yeah. of the <laughs> it was really good. It's how, really good. How good did he look in the Gallifreyan <laughs> collar? Amazing. Yeah. yeah, that was incredible. That was a good, lovely touch. I that is an operatic that villain. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, he was given the leather jacket and the sunglasses because of the Terminator, right? Like they wanted mm. him to be yeah. a good point. Um, and Eric just played against that every time. Yeah. My favorite thing, the thing that always makes me laugh is when Yuji um, says to him, no way. And he goes, yes, yes way. way. He says it very like, you know, it's just, it's great. He's got, he, he hits the tone of the piece really well. It's big, but it's not too big. Yeah. yeah and what you say is, it makes amazing sense in the sense that it is a progression, right? Mm. Put next to even the Ainley Master, but definitely the, the Delgado conception. Mm. It, it's like, what is this? This is so far off mm. beam. Mm. But in on the trajectory towards Missy, essentially, right? Sure. It makes total sense to me. And that, mm. that sort of fits in not just with uh, it being, you know, the, the Eric Roberts master being the opposite of, of Paul McGann's English mm. doctor, but also in terms of the, the sort of desperation and madness of this character mm. as he sort of grips to, to on for yeah. dear life. Um, there's probably one more character we'd, we'd like to talk about. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, a hero in his own right. Mm. That's uh, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> Played by, by the wonderful Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. 
Oh, we, you guys. Well, come on. <laughs> We've got you here. We want to talk about it. I, I don't want to sound too much like we're, we're mocking you too hard because we're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, the first time I read it were the sides for the audition when he was still a lab assistant on the clock. Mm. He wasn't a security mm. guard in okay. the original draft. Um, which is funny because, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, if you want a security guard, you know, a 19-year-old five foot six kid is exactly who you want. <laughs> you know, I mean, it made, I got the revised script and I'm like, I'm a security guard now? Okay. Um, but yeah, no, he, um, I think it was, you know, one of the things about that character and, and it was a, it was fun that he just sort of, it was so bad at be I, I just played him as like he's doing a summer job mm. and somehow it's maybe his dad works there you know at this lab and he's just you know a security guard and he is totally unprepared and he wants to do well and this insane person blows his <laughs> mind and and tries to you know he just there's he's just bad at his job like i just thought gareth was really bad at his job <laughs> but in a nice way in a sweet kind of endearing yeah. Yeah, way yeah. and and that's that's how I wanted to play it, and um, I I was just so happy to to have a scene like that that where you know I got a I mean I got a jelly baby yeah, yeah. for a Doctor Who fan on. that's you're the only one you're the only oh, one who ever has Paul McGann I know and it's and it's 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 like a, that was just a you know I didn't it, it didn't require much acting to be in the scene and um, I was very lucky because we were shooting all night and. Um, Paul and Daphne were both very kind and you never know what it's going to be like. You know, you're a day player and you come in and one of two mm. things is going to happen. They're either going to be kind and see you as part of the company and interact with you in a fun way, or they're they treat you like Matthew not. Waterhouse. And, <laughs> treat, they yeah. treat you like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And they were, and they were very, they were very kind. Even Eric was very kind. I mean, he was there shooting at the same time. So I got to say hello and mm. stuff like that. And, um, and everybody was great. So it was a really happy memory. And I, as for Gareth, I always, one of the things that I like about that particular part, the way it was written, is the way the doctor, there's, there's a minor character that comes into the play and he's like, no, 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 you're important. You have a, you have a future. Mm. You have a potential. And I think that's part of what makes Doctor Who special that is that is, every person yeah. that he encounters is a person to him. And they all have a potential and they all have a future and a past. And he's there to kind of make it better. And he makes that kid's life better just by giving him a nudge on uh, on the exam. And then you find out that he's the, the kid's going to go on to do this amazing thing that saves lots of lives. And I, it's a I, not to sound too self-important about a character that I played, um, <laughs> but it is nice that the show kind of says everybody's important. You never know what people are going to contribute. And that's that's that has value Absolutely. and it's just a little moment but i i always like that about that that is so piece. doctor who and it that is, is also it is. it's very new who as well oh, yeah. Yeah. i think so part of the i think show. so 900 years throughout space and time i've never met anyone I, unimportant yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't yeah. know that, i don't know how much that that sort of is it, that kind of sentiments expressed like mm. it's it's implicit in the in the classic show but i don't know how many times it was like explicitly mm. expressed mm. but it's definitely part of the new show and maybe mm. it's like yeah. found its kind of first footing in, in the movie but um geez that's an interesting point i don't know yeah, yeah. I think but you know. I, I, that I actually was, i really appreciate it that was really well said actually I, yeah and i yeah. actually think it's a testament to your professionalism as an actor I, that you I, came up with yeah. a backstory yeah. for <laughs> no, no joke yeah <laughs> all right lads uh so it's probably oh oh geez that sounds like the uh, cloister bell 
And there are leaves all over this stone floor. Who has opened the eye? Oh, there's smoke coming out of there. By midnight tonight, this entire podcast will be pulled inside out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we're in spoiler town now. We are. are. (laughs) Thank you for being a sport, Jeremy. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, okay, so I mentioned earlier the high concept, which for me is Doctor Who and the Americans. I just want to unpack this with you guys a little bit further, okay? Um, I want to sort of think a little bit more about why initially maybe we had that reservation around it being mm. American, and I'm putting air quotes there for mm. our sweet mm. dogs. North Americans. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, straight off the bat, it yep. was because it was, an, it was an English heritage. Like, it's an English thing. Okay. Inherently English. And all of a sudden, it was out of the BBC's hands. Okay. And we didn't know what we were going to get. All right. So there was that, obviously that initial trepidation, as you say, right? Because this mm. is a British product. Mm-hmm. You're giving it to Hollywood executives, Spielberg mm. being one of the biggest names there. Obviously mm. he wasn't involved mm. in terms of Amblin, but you know, Philip Segal, who worked for him uh, at one point was. Mm. So I can totally understand that that would be an initial sort of like red alert, I guess, to, to audiences or, um, of, of Doctor Who. I think though that Americanness of the movie is a stick that people have used to beat it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'm not sure it's entirely fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my hypothesis around this is that the any sort of arguments that you can make leveled against the TV movie as it being American and therefore like betraying Doctor Who or whatever, mm. actually that's the wrong way to that's the wrong point. It's mm. not that it's too American. Mm. I think what we see instead is that it's Doctor Who and it's nineties. Mm. And we don't have any yeah. other Doctor Who in the nineties. That's true. We so actually true. have yeah. the T V movie reflective of everything around it, whether that is the X Files as you say, Jeremy mm. Or, or later on, um, you know, other things um, that, you know, that are sort of floating around the ether. And I know, I think it was uh, Philip Segal was also involved in, in things like, was it Stargate? Um, but, you know, there's another, another sort of contemporaneous 90s show. Yeah. Um, we had Voyager on at the same time yeah. as well. And <clears throat> when you look back at those shows now with, you know, very sort of 2010s, almost 2020s eyes, you sort of think... Hang on a second. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't date well, does it? They and do th- look really nineties. And I shows. think Doctor Who and the Americans isn't the whole story. I think it's mm. Doctor Who in the nineties. Yeah. And because we like never saw <laughs> yeah. Doctor Who in the nineties except for the TV movie, yeah. that's actually what people use to beat the movie rather than it being an American thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that's totally fair. I think that's a really. That's a good way to look at it. Um, and I think like they they juxtapose his Britishness against the Americanism it's so, so well that mm. it, it, mm. it always it it always feels to me like a detour. I think if the show had gone on and been filmed in America and shot largely in America, what a weird it would it, it might not it, it would be very strange. I mean it would be very strange. Just the idea of them pulling off something like the, there's no American uh, production company in the world that could do horror fang rock. Right. And they just couldn't. It just the tone of it would be very strange. So I think as a TV movie, I think you're right. It it does feel I think that's accurate to say it's Doctor Who in the 90s. I think if it had been a series, mm. it could have been problematic because how do you maintain with a with an American production team filmed in America, continually doing stories probably set in America? How do you maintain the thing that is inherent about Doctor Who, which is that it is British. Mm-hmm. It is that is the thing that people like about it. That's the thing that Americans like about it. Mm, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. how do you retain that over twenty six episodes 
a season uh, in America would <laughs> have been very interesting. Great point. I, I, I want to touch on that later. I've got it planned. But yeah, basically, they were going to rewrite the mm. history of the, the yeah. character yeah. and the show. Yeah. So they were, yeah. gonna, yeah. they were going to rewrite mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. You'd think that if Americans yeah. took it over, mm. they'd, they'd sort of make it their mm. own and make it. One of the, one of the funny things I, I noticed in the show is that they sort of of the, the, the sort of uh, classic show things they chose to bring back uh, was one of them was the jelly babies mm. and one of the things I found so funny was that they sort of treated it like every time he handed a jelly baby to an American it was like it was as if the jelly babies were as, as alien to an Americans as they are to actual aliens <laughs> every single person he handed one to was like what the hell is this it was like Did surely they have jelly babies? surely they have jelly babies in Vancouver right uh, no they don't okay. there you go really I'd never I'd never had one before <gasps> that very instant what? and you and you didn't even eat it you kept it I d- yeah and oh no I did I did eat it oh I okay. did I, I, I eat it and then I'm like, oh, that's pretty good, which was good acting on my part because I think jelly babies are gross. <laughs> <laughs> not good. Um, they have like a weird powder on them too. Which oh, no, ours, ours don't have that. That's like a more authentic English that's sweet. An English jelly yeah. baby. For Our real. jelly babies yeah. are just gummies. They're like gummies. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, like yeah, juby yeah. sort of gummies. Yeah. But I, I just, it's just like, like Turkish delight, really. And um, yeah. yeah, it was very. I just love to he's handing just a sweet and it's like a way for him to usually to disarm like you know a Martian or something or a Dalek yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. The, it works just as well in Americans so yeah, it was, I thought it was really funny well you know they say the evil one does eat babies so <laughs> face of evil nice <laughs> I want to talk about special effects and particularly the mm. way in which sure. like regeneration scene, like yeah. these are staples of Doctor Who are so Americanized like, that's a big thing with this movie because we were going to get Hollywood special effects yeah. in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the time, for the I think time. we did. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did. Yeah. We, definitely did. Yeah. we definitely yeah. did. We definitely did. I think you said um, that that TARDIS set cost a million dollars. Yes. <laughs> we're going to talk about the TARDIS set because I oh, love, love it. it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. do it. A million dollar set, apparently. <laughs> and for the first time, we really had the money to make. Because, you know, the TARDIS is supposed to be an enormous, endless kind of a huge yeah, interior. Yeah, yeah. And, um uh, we never really got to see that. You know, the, there's a few episodes in the classic series where they go. You know, it's, it's like they're at a council house or a swimming pool or something. Mm. They, they make that yeah. the TARDIS, yeah, and you know? they try and make outfits. <laughs> um, and in some of the books, uh, they do it. But um, it's the first time we really got to see them put that in action and have this yeah. enormous, like, uh, oversized console. Cavernous, great. Cavernous set. It's incredible. It. It's a library. Oh. He's listening to, to soft jazz, <laughs> reading a book I, in his I library. Lo- I loved it. Isn't I loved it, it when I first saw it. And I was like, oh, he's got a library in there. I <laughs> totally loved great. that so much. I was, and it's just like the armchair, the record player, the mm. gramophone, all that stuff. It was great. Mm. It was like the, 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 the hat stand, but on a much bigger scale. Yeah, like totally. it was, yeah. <laughs> I loved when he, when he would, uh, the scanner isn't just a screen in the corner anymore. It's the yes. whole ceiling. Oh, so good. Yes, so good. Yeah. That was, that was Beautiful. Really yeah. Cool. Gorgeous console. And they, Gorgeous console. And they've gone from, yeah, the console is great. And they've gone from what we knew as kind of like a sterile white room, mm. which is, um, which I've always, always, always loved, but it's, mm. but be fr- it's very cheap to make and easy to, yeah. to do sure. when you've got yeah, a low budget. Yeah. And they've gone opposite way. There's lots of, lots of dark wood and they've mm. gone kind of old mm. rather than mm. high tech. Mm. And I loved it. They've given I, the room history. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And he draws on history, mm. literary history in particular. It's mm. very sort of Jules Verne. And I think it's, yeah. he's sort of name checked yeah. in terms totally. of the design as well. Like yeah. there's a very sort of like Victorian. A lot of brass. A lot of, yeah. yeah. Steam, it's basically yeah. steampunk, right? Yeah. 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 And you have. Is it like the, 
Is it the first steampunk? I, steampunk? I I feel like it. I feel like <laughs> that it is, is a really yeah. good question, right? Isn't the first one of the first sort of proto is it, examples is it of the steampunk? Exactly. When I is, don't know. When is um when's Gibson and Sterling's steampunk book? What is that? The Difference Engine. I'm not think that's before that, but. But yeah, it would have been the eighties, actually. Yeah, yeah but, but visually, like yeah, on, on, on screen, a, on a, in a movie, or absolutely. A movie. Uh, what wow factor! But obviously, it's also very season fourteen. You know, Mask of Mandragora, the secondary console room, the wooden yeah, interior that we see, yeah. Deadly Assassin as well. Like that is a gorgeous sort of mm-hmm. parallel to that, except it's done with a budget that's probably a thousand times yeah. bigger, oh, easily. <laughs> and then also presages what we see in New Who. Like there's there's enormous influence there. You mentioned the library, Cole. Mm-hmm. We see you know Capaldi picking books off the shelves yeah. on, the, on the sort yeah. of upper cloister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in the new True. series, and and there's it kind of as you say it feels cavernous, right? Mm. Remember that first Ten and Eccleston mm. um, yeah. uh, Tardis interior, which it feels like a chamber, right? Yeah. Sort of the yeah. girders sort of reach over the top. It's coral rather than metal in in, yeah. in, in New Who, as opposed to the to the movie. Mm. There's that sort of darker lighting as well, mm. um, and and there's that beautiful sort of oh, I don't know it's it is it is steampunk, isn't it? Mm. And that sort of that theme it's, that sort of runs through into New Who yeah, from ta- the movie, taking that kind of Victorian aesthetic and like adding tech to it. Totally, um, but 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 it's, it's, it's more than that. Like it's more. Uh, I really love how more than the new shows. Like much bigger console room. I love that this is so cavernous, and it's obviously like a giant. It's a lived-in space. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's obviously got. He's got his a lounge room. He's got his yeah. favorite chair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Threadbare sort of Victorian chair. Yeah. It's, it feels yeah. lived-in, and it's full of knickknacks. Like, uh, um, you know, partly in a kind of a set dressing way, like they had to fill the space. Sure, but also in a way that he's sort of an absent-minded. He's getting old and he's a generation and he's mm. just scattered a bunch of his favourite things around he, the room. He, he mm. just wanted to drink a cup of tea and listen, listen to his gramophone. <laughs> I love that they make him drink tea. Like yeah. I'm trying to think he's, I don't know if he's ever drunk tea before in the Cosmic Show, but cause oh, he's, he I'm has, sure he, he must has. have. Well, not in the Tardis, though. No, North, not in the Tardis. North American Tardis. production. Sorry, yeah, uh, what, yeah. are, what are we going to do with the British guy? Make him drink tea. I'm down. I'm fully down. Um, how do we feel about him reading The Time Machine? I did think that was a bit on the nose, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Uh, I'm, 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 I'll go with it. Like I'm on board with it. Like yeah, it's a weird. It's that's weird. The only thing that would have been, I think, would have been great is if you read it and then went, "That's not right at yeah, all." Yeah, something, you know, yeah, something that yeah. would have been like. But otherwise, it's a, it's a little bit like, yeah, he's reading the time machine. He's watching Time Tunnel. I mean, like, yes, he's a time traveler. We. We get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is a bit, cl- it's a bit yeah. ham-fisted, isn't it? Yeah, Even the- it's a little, little goofy. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah. Who's going to complain, really? You know? No, that's right. That's so, so how true. did you feel when you saw it? That you saw that because you, when you, when you shot it, you hadn't, you know, obviously you hadn't seen it until everyone else had, had seen it. When yeah. you see that console room it reveal. Was, it was such a, it was a thrill to see it. Um, it was very bittersweet because it was on up against Roseanne's final episode so no one was watching it oh timing in America um but uh, you know I mean like uh, everything about it I mean you know everything about it was it just felt like you could you could see how much care that that they'd lavished onto it and Mm. looked so great Mm. but it still felt like Doctor Who yeah um you know, the wilderness years were filled so much with weird stories about what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he was going to be American, and the the Daleks were going to be giant spiders. Yes, and, yeah, you know, I remember the that. Was going to be his brother. You know, and just to see something that I was like, yes, that is Doctor Who. It's it's a new thing. It's it's new, but it it does feel like Doctor Who, and it was just such a relief to see that. Totally. Uh, so. Going back to the wilderness years, like Jeremy, you touched on the fact that you know we just didn't know what was going on back then because it's a time before the internet or mm. before the internet's accessible. Mm. You know, so before I mean, was... I don't know about, about I don't know about you in Canada, but over here we we had Doctor Who magazine. That was like an insight 
into what was going on in the world of Doctor Who. That's literally all we had. Yeah, that was, and we had that too, but you know, we had a, it was really special because it, Doctor Who doesn't really have much, it did, didn't at that time, it's hard to believe now, but it didn't at that, at that time have much of a presence. If you'd ask yeah. people which show they knew better, um, the Avengers or Doctor Who, it would be the Avengers every time. People would have remembered that. Um, and which is silly now to think about with Doctor Who everywhere. Um, but we didn't get Doctor Who magazine very regularly. Right. That's why I didn't know that they were shooting Doctor Who in my town where I was a professional actor because, you know, you'd get an issue and then three months later you'd get another issue. Yeah, that's right. You know, so that's what it was like. And that's how you got information. And that's how we, you know, we heard stuff. So. I mean, but, but, you know, you got to read, like, I was just finding out, I think, like, Graham Harper, like, there was that weird point, was it Dark Dimension, where Graham yeah, Harper yeah, was going to direct yeah, it? Yep. And they were going to pretend that no one had been the Doctor since Tom Baker. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they were going to have a, an age, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, finish that sentence. Such a weird idea. Such <laughs> yeah. a weird, yeah. weird yeah. idea. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. uh, you know, just to see that Sylvester McCoy was coming in and doing it, which I didn't know until I went for my wardrobe fitting, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, So I went in and when you do a wardrobe fitting, they have uh, in the wardrobe room, they have um, eight by 10 photographs of every actor cast in every part, (laughs) no matter how big or how small. And right up there was Sylvester McCoy. And I did did a little happy dance right there. (laughs) I realized it was there. So, you know, that was that was great. What a way to find out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I would love to talk about? Go sure. on. The first time I ever saw the film, because yes. it was a big deal. It was it a was. huge, as we've just spoke about the wilderness years where you just got these little glimpses of what might be going on. Mm. When the movie was actually coming out and it was confirmed, you can imagine mm. fever pitch. Yeah. Fandom was in at fever pitch. So I'd love to talk about the first time <laughs> we individually first saw the film, but I'd like to start with yes. Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, would you be so kind as to tell us about the first time <laughs> you saw the movie? I, I wish I had an exciting story of a premiere <laughs> filled with wonderful things, oh. but I'll tell you exactly where I saw it. In my house, <laughs> by myself. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Is that, are you yeah. for real? <laughs> Yeah, for you real. Know? Yeah, they didn't have. I mean, like they didn't have any premiere sure. screenings. I mean, they might have somewhere in the world, okay. but certainly yep. not. I mean, I can tell you right now, there was one in Vancouver. Perth. Wait, what's... yeah. So it was just me in my house, just yeah. watching it. I had popcorn, and I watched it, and I was like, "That was great." I was going to say, did you watch it as it went to air, or did you get like a promo copy of the film? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, no. I watched it right as it went to air. I recorded it, and I, it, yeah. I, yeah. It had the commercials in it and everything. Yes. Oh, wow. yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I don't think yeah, we. Right there. I never got to see it with commercials, and I kind of. Re- um, yeah, because we were talking before. Oh, we I'd to love to have seen it with commercials <laughs> about commercial breaks and how they must. Yeah, how where they it may would say, it. yeah, it would hit an act break and it'd go to commercial. Yeah. Doctor Who will be back after this. <laughs> really, I would really want to see that. I would love to see with that the, with the times it's... with the era-specific advertising as well. That's if you've fun. still got well, it, you should to... upload it oh, to YouTube. I don't know where it is, but the advertising was bizarre. Like because you know. American television in the few minutes before it starts, they keep they do a commercial and then they'll come back and, and next, you know, it's the it's the British sci-fi phenomenon. Like it's like pre, you know preparing people like you're about to see something from another country. You know that's sort of the way. Embrace yourself. There will Embrace be yourself for tea and weird <laughs> accents and you know and um, awesome. you know and. It's been going on for a long time. It's cool. We promise. 
I would give I would give anything to see uh, a VHS recorded copy from the time with oh. uh, the ads the ads from wherever it was recorded from. because this would be our cliffhangers, right? Because <laughs> well, we this to, would be we were talking to Jeremy before we were, before we started recording about because I didn't realize it was probably they they wrote into the script act timing so that they they could put commercials in which I didn't mm. ever think of. I yeah, never considered never that, yeah. But it's a very common practice, yeah. And I so there would have been because we saw it without ads, I think. Mm. Because it would have been on the ABC. Mm. Yeah, ours was on the ABC and it just ran, ran straight. Yeah. And the funny thing was actually to end off on that story of when it aired. When it aired in the UK, which I think was after it aired in America. Did the BBC want or it? Or before? It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same time. Right. Um, mm. And my girlfriend at the time, the girl actually kisses me in the movie. She was in England, and she brought home like big radio times pull out oh, special wow. issues oh, yeah. and like the doctor is back and mm-hmm. all this publicity mm-hmm. and i was just like so i was very jealous and disappointed that it was basically treated in in america like a movie of the week backdoor pilot you know blink and you'll miss it yeah. type of event um and uh, you know i'm not sure how much faith they they had in it and the ratings were of course terrible because it was up against roseanne's Roseanne, and, that's insane and um so it very quickly vanished hmm. uh and yeah and so i mean i was sort of jealous of all the you know wonderful stuff that you guys or not you guys but that the uk yeah. got and, and yeah. i presume in australia as well that they got uh, to kind of trumpet it. Yeah, yeah. we got a measure of it. it was, yeah, it was quite. I remember the ads on the ABC leading up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was a thing, definitely yeah. a thing. Uh, it would have been huge in the UK. I, I want to know whether it was shown on the BBC or not. I wonder, it's probably no, no, ITV. it was. It was, was it really, it was and it actually rate, rated quite well. Um, okay, it was just the fact that. Still that wonder. doesn't matter to the American. Studio. Well, no, it needed to be in America. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, why would they commission it, right? Fox yeah. needed yeah. needed, a, needed yeah. something that was going to be huge. Yeah. Um, but for for it to be. Mm. Scheduled against Roseanne makes zero it's, sense. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. That's a like, classic uh, yeah. blunder. Should we move yeah. over to? Oh, sorry. Oh, are we, are before we, we finish that, yeah. I just wanted to. You, just a little aside. You just happened to accidentally finish your own story there when you mentioned that your girlfriend did get to come on set and kiss you. <laughs> yeah, she did. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Right. I that's love great. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she did. She was very nervous, but yeah, she did. Oh, really? oh wow! First time on a film set for her. Oh yeah, first oh, yeah. and only time I think. Yeah, <laughs> and then she she got treated to the wonderful life of being an extra, which is you know seventeen hours of night shoots. Yeah, yeah. Or however long they they do it, she was like, "Why do you do this?" She just <laughs> said to me at the end of it, "Like, why do you have this job?" And I'm like, "I can't explain it." Yeah. <laughs> Where did you guys all see the the show for the first time? Well, uh, yeah, Cole, yeah, you well, mentioned so there was so a premiere. Should I go next? Yeah. Okay. Let me, me say so, to that. All right. So. Like, amazingly enough, there is someone in this conversation who went to a premiere of sorts, a screening, and it was me in Perth, <laughs> of all places. Uh, it was actually at, uh, there's a Perth Doctor Who fan club that I used to be a member of back then oh, as a teenager sure. uh, called The West Lodge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, look, I mean, you know, as we're talking about the wilderness years here, leading up to the film being released, it was a huge deal. Mm. So it's basically all anyone would talk about at these meetings in this Doctor Who fan club to the point where it was basically organized that we were going to get a copy of it. We were going to project it onto a big screen. Yeah. We're all going to sit like in a cinema. Popcorn. Love it. And, and watch the film. And it was the first time I'd seen it. So a couple of other people had already seen it. It was the first time I'd seen it. And uh, yeah, I, don't, I walked away with it wanting to love it. That's what I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> oh, I know I was, that, like I know bear in mind, bear in mind, mean. I was like 14 or something. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. so like, I, like, 
with age comes wisdom, I think. Um, <laughs> but and the memory cheats too. Like yes. um, I, I, I wanted, like everybody wanted to love it. Yeah, mm. yeah. That was the thing, right? Nobody wanted to say what they may really be thinking. <laughs> After this week. I remember oh, there the was oh there was one woman in front of me when the opening title sequence was happening. She started crying. Yeah, what? it's you know it was it. it was a big so deal. Sweet. It was a huge deal, and it's like, and there was people talking about the kiss. Like, is there really a kiss in it? Does the doctor really kiss a girl? Like riding <laughs> riding motorbikes, kissing girls. That's not my doctor. You know, like <laughs> not, not my doctor started then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So you know, it was it was a really big deal. And walking away from like looking back on that, I'm really glad I had that experience. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it's taken me years to really come to the conclusion that yeah. I do love this film, uh, and it is important. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's, sure. it, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my story. That's, well, that's my story. I mean, my, I don't remember the exact moment. You know, I don't remember the first viewing, but I remember waiting for it so badly, and then getting a, a getting to wait up and, and watch it on TV on the ABC. Mm. And mm. I do remember wanting to love it so much that when I came away from it, I felt very strange. Like I was mm. like, that was good. You know, <laughs> that was good. But yeah, I think I was yeah. just so, no, yeah. I think I was just so, um, so blown away by how different it was and how it was a big Hollywood production. Mm. Uh, and I think mm. my only complaint, because I think I really enjoyed it. I think my only complaint was at the time was that I hated Eric Roberts. I think, right. I think even when I, I think I hated Eric Roberts before the movie came out and I was upset to discover that he was the villain. I didn't even know who he was when the movie yeah, came out. Like in I Australia, seen, we didn't really know I had who an he inkling was. I'd seen him in something else and I, 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 I remember just being really, really upset about it. But I think I put all of the things I didn't like about it into mm. him and made him the, the, the vil- my villain. Mm. But uh, watching, it, watching it way later in life, I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed him a lot. Mm. We, Bridget loved, uh, we were just like, we just kept we were baffled it was amazing would you say for you like one of the biggest exciting or intriguing things about watching this film for the Mm. first time would have been the large scale of the special effects that we were promised totally we'd never seen the show like this exactly because Mm. it it had been we were like finally there there might be a budget and I was was like oh there'll be I mean I was like there'll be some special effects but I was just like Doctor Who is back in some form and there'll be a new one and it'll be exciting and interesting and it it was all those things and I was Mm. like Mm. I remember having some grumbles but coming away pretty pleased yeah well yeah pretty pleased yeah yeah we all had to get used to this american film now mm. like it was it was yeah. yeah walking away from it for the first time was totally and i, and I yeah. was totally disconnected from fandom uh, as we said before and yeah. i didn't realize that there was sort of plans for a show i had no idea it was just mm. a one-off movie and i thought maybe they'll bring the bbc will bring the show back but and they, dan did you watch it uh, on the abc airing was that when you yeah, first watched yeah, it yeah so. and you were at home that's cool yeah, I think yeah. So. probably with my dad yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, yeah. I just remember it being, being so different and being great fun. But when I came away from it, I was a bit dazed, and a bit yeah, confused. Yeah. I was and really I was, good. and I remember thinking like, oh, I'm just gonna have to watch that again. Like, I've yeah, just gotta, I've got to, I've got to. I don't know what I'm thinking. Like, what am I thinking about this? I definitely like, taped it as yeah. well. Yeah, I yeah. taped it too yeah. when it was on the telly for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Steve, Steve your first viewing. Well, it's similar to you guys in the sense that <clears throat> it was on the ABC. Did you watch yeah. it with uh, with Lee? Yeah, I did watch it with my sister yeah. Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, another who's yeah. written in to to uh, basically sort of outline what the movie means to her. And oh, also, oh, brilliant! That's I mean, great for for her. This is her doctor, right? Yeah, yep. this is this is the doctor that she saw so when she, she was saw the first. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Is this movie? This is something else we were talking about. Sorry yeah, to interrupt yeah. you. We were talking about before uh, before we went to air. We were yeah. wondering aloud. Uh, there must be people out there for the, for, for them 
the movie doctor is their doctor and i'm just so fascinated and interested to, to, to hear about that yeah and yeah. lisa is, is one of those eric yeah. stanick who we interviewed a little yeah. while ago for the inferno <laughs> episode was saying the paul same M- thing paul mcgann's his, his doctor well no paul mcgann was the first the instance first of you know being right. in, inducted almost into, okay. into this mythos yeah. uh, and so it, it holds a special place in my heart because of that i i guess at that age i probably sort of accepted that it was going to be American that mm. it was going to sure. ha- sort mm. of have elements mm. that you know weren't entirely British, but then I was also ready to have the kind of special effects that I wanted to see. Oh yeah, during the J and T years yeah. that they tried to get that we never had. No. Right, absolutely blown away by the premonition, if you like, of you know the the solar system exploding on mm. that sort of yeah. uh, the the ceiling uh, scanner that um, that is in the in the TARDIS, mm. and it I was just one of those moments where I was like, if this comes back, mm. this is going to be the biggest thing on television yeah. because it looked incredible. <laughs> it did. Mm. I was very aware, I guess, of what, excuse me, successful television was because we were watching X-Files and we were watching, yeah, watching those sort of right, contemporaneous American sci-fi shows. It kind of mm. had its its time that, at that right. point. I was like, if this comes back, this will blow all of them out of the water because yeah. it has this story, this sort of concept at the heart of it that is going to be mm. just so much better than all the other shows yeah, and that's yeah, why we yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that it ultimately did it was, didn't was heartbreaking, but I have to admit, not entirely surprising. Yeah. Um, we were used to disappointment though, we, weren't we? Yeah, I and think that's that, it. When that is happened. exactly it. I think yeah. that's why I wasn't super bummed when it didn't happen because I yeah. was like, I'd never expected it to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, there was those rumours. It was rumours, yeah. you know, like oh, someone had it on good authority that there was going to make Maybe be a series, like yeah. yeah. But the fact that we even got it in the first place, and again, mm. you know, thanking Philip Segal for his efforts to actually sort of drag Absolutely. it onto American screens, it would never have happened, and it probably shouldn't have happened in the sense that yeah. this was an, a, um, a television show that was very much of an era that was probably even post-war, you could say, right? Mm. And that wasn't what was cool in the nineties. You know, mm. what was cool in the nineties was you know yeah, cops God. shows and nine two one zero, NYPD Blue. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that we got that and sort of saw what Doctor Who could be in that era, I feel, I feel like we got something that was special. Mm. But I do also remember walking away thinking, I don't know if this is. Exactly what Doctor Who... And, you know, going yeah. through my mind was, mm. I needed to Alan Rickman as the master and I needed to do this and I shouldn't have done mm. that. Mm. Even back at that age, I was sort of thinking along yeah. those sort of critical lines. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I sort of, you know, I, I look back on it, particularly in terms of the way that my sister, Lisa, sort of identified mm. McGann mm. as the Doctor and this is her era. Yeah. The Eighth Doctor adventures in particular from BBC books mm. are sort of, you know, Sam Jones is, is her companion. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. um, It's, this is... This is something that I'll be forever grateful for, that we had this chapter of Doctor Who, even if it was kind of almost aborted, if you like. Yeah, yeah. That's such a weird sort of side side branch experiment Yeah, that um, didn't sort of succeed in the fact that it you know, didn't get a show and it didn't get a... Um, yeah, it didn't get a show made, but like I, I would never wish that it was, had never been made. And I do look mm. upon it. I've always looked upon had, it. Sorry. Yeah. I've always looked upon it fondly. Yeah. I've always remembered it fondly. you got to remember we wouldn't have gotten Paul McGann then. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. he's he's now he's firmly secured. Yeah, as the eighth I'm glad that they yeah glad that they did that. Uh, um, but you yeah. wonder if if it did, if it had succeeded, we might not have gotten the um we probably wouldn't have gotten oh, the, we the would 2005 definitely British would not movie. have. Mm. Um, mm. But I, but I, but I also wonder mm. like how uh, wild an, an experiment the American show would have been. Like I would have been up for it. Like we, uh, yeah. yeah, it would have been crazy and strange and a uh, strange experiment, but it would have been fun. I think mm. it would have been fun as hell. Mm. Jeremy. Yeah, and I think also as well, like one of the one of the the things we should be grateful for is it was sort of a dry run for how to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sure, you sure. know, I I always have felt that that Russell T Davies took 
what worked in classic mm-hmm. Doctor Who, what didn't work in the TV movie, and what worked in the TV movie, mm-hmm. and merged it all together. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, like the the big cardinal mistake that the TV movie makes, from my opinion, is that, that it's all about the do- it's it's all about these two um, seeming like imagine you've never watched this show yeah. ever, and <laughs> yeah. it seems yeah. to be about two immortal aliens who can't die fighting each other for reasons you don't understand and i mean that and no you're right and i think you know russell t davies looked at that and said right we have to start it the same way unearthly child starts the companions are are our intro and the doctor is a mysterious figure within that so i think he learned that from the film but i think he also looked at the relationship between grace and and the eighth doctor and said yeah, there's no way to make a modern television show about this sort of neutered English schoolboy. We have to make him a real <laughs> yeah. person mm. with real feelings, and they have to explore that. And part of that is going to be some sort of romance, not necessarily a typical romance, but yeah. some sort of connection between the characters. Yeah. Sure. And it comes at a really interesting time because the 90s, like Buffy's about to start yeah. and change television forever. Yep. And the 90s are really that era where we move away from episodic, narrative-driven television to character-arc-driven television. And this is a really, I think it's a time capsule TV movie that shows you in a really uncomfortable way how how it was straddling both those eras. Right point. And so I don't think we'd have 2005 for the, the reboot series in a lot of ways. If we didn't have this movie, mm-hmm. uh, showing them what not to do and also what what they needed to do. Yeah, you're definitely mm-hmm. right that they mm-hmm. they they definitely took some things that worked, and like there is that real hint of that Russell T Davies making Rose, like, giving the companion tons of more agency, mm-hmm. and being a bit mm-hmm. more of a focal point. Mm-hmm. And it's even to the point where Grace is the one who saves the day. Like she's <laughs> yes. the one who, you know what I mean? The Doctor mm-hmm. is incapacitated mm-hmm. and and he can't do anything. She rewires the TARDIS, and she she's the hero. Mm. And that's yeah. some, not. Some, I mean, that that happened in the classic series sometimes, but that's a that's a real focal point of the new show. Yeah, having the characters yeah. more agency and. I, I like that uh, that idea that like no, we've got to go back to how it started. Like we've got to go back yeah. to the unearthly child. The set the the characters the the companions start this off. Totally. Mm. I love that. That's a really good point you touched on because yeah. we don't get a regeneration from Magan to Eccleston if yeah. you recall of course Hartnell just mm-hmm. appears on screen because if you have a regeneration <laughs> you need people to know what's happening that's or like, right. you know what I mean yeah. they couldn't do it so if it's a to go back to the beginning mm. I, there must have been a decision there where we, we're not going to do a regen there with, must have been with the luxury of a TV show you've got time to have that's the true. Doctor be in the first episode and be completely mysterious and not really know anything about him for the first episode or first yeah. few episodes because you've got time to gradually mm-hmm. bring learn more about him like because you're Rose in the first series of course yeah definitely I suppose in the movie like in a film these guys don't have a luxury you're right you know Mm. they don't have the luxury of um of sort of bringing him slowly into the into the into focus they have to sort of uh snap him into focus Mm. (laughs) yeah very fast it's a run and gun it's a run and gun process they do it really quick yeah and I also one of the other things too is I love is it's got one of the most kind of interesting feminist moments in Doctor Who too where there's a great line at the end of the TV movie where he says, come with me. And she says, you come with me, Um, which is, (laughs) it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's her way of saying like, it's an intro. I mean, lots of people complain about that moment about that. She doesn't go with him and it doesn't set up, you know, more adventures, but I love the idea that she's like, my life's important. I have connections here and you're amazing, but 
that doesn't mean that I have to give up everything to travel with you. You could give up something and stay here with me for a while and see how that works. And <laughs> and I, I, I think I love that. I love the flippant way she says it. And I think that there are some ways in which the 21st century reboot series could learn from that moment because there is sometimes, even in the reboot series, a, a bit of a tiresome focus on if you're not with the doctor, you're somehow your life is ruined or you know what I mean? Like they can't imagine ever stopping traveling with the doctor. And it was a great moment where Grace said, you know what? We had our time and our time is done. Uh, and it was wonderful. Yeah. But my yeah. life is yeah. as important. I really, it's really like well that. said. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because you know? <laughs> you're right. I have that feeling at the end uh, this time, especially is that there's a sort of shot where the three of them where uh, Chang Lee and um, Grace and the doctor are at the console. Yeah. And uh, they were just, they just had such, like, I just love, like uh, there's a shot of them and I was like, I love these guys. Yeah. I love this <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I want them to, I was like, cause I couldn't remember the ending and I was like, oh man, I really hope they, they, they have great adventures together. <laughs> yeah. And then they, yeah. they just don't. And then, but then the, the yeah. that, and that's fine. Cause I, I do agree with you that that's cool that Grace is, um, she's like my, she's a surgeon, like she's saving lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's got, yeah. A good she's got a pretty important job I think to so. do it. Yeah. All on her own. Then, yeah. It's just that weird bit at the very end when the TARDIS disappears mm. and we were both a bit like, oh, that's not, they wouldn't end it like that. He's going to come back and be like, oh, by the way, you should definitely come with me. And she runs to the TARDIS. Yeah. But then it didn't happen. <laughs> and that's just the end. And he goes back to drinking tea. Yeah. And I was like, that's really weird. It's a really weird way to end it. Um, but I did, I did kind of like it because it kind of brought you back to the start. He was like, where was I? Yeah. Picks up the book. Mm -hmm. uh, God, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I do like um, it. Yeah. Right. But I did like it. I think it's only because I quite like the three of them as a team. Yeah. The, the yeah. End yeah. yeah. And that you're right. It's, oh, and Jeremy brought it up before as well. Just that shot of the three of them around the top. It's just like, this yeah. is my team. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I can yeah. see it. Totally. And yeah. you can because of the character development that's given to Grace. Yeah. And to um, Chang Lee, mm. you know, mentioned before, you know, Grace is obviously a doctor, and you know has that you know great level of agency that maybe we don't see with too many other classic Doctor yeah. Who st yeah. companions. Very, very wisely, Chang Lee's given the sort of Turlo dilemma of do you mm. join the Dark Force and ultimately what does that yeah, yeah. the cost of that and giving that up mm. um, and, and, and enlightenment being the choice, not the diamond mm. or the gold mm. there, if you like. <laughs> so that that's beautiful too, and it's like they've earned their place almost mm. not in the in the TARDIS as such as mm. like they've earned their place in our view as, yeah. as the TARDIS team going forward or could yeah. be yeah I, I, yeah that's the thing about the not, the, the show never happening that, that's the, probably my the biggest bummer that we, we wouldn't have gotten to see that team they just really needed to um, just nip back scoop up Gareth and then start yeah. doing their adventures <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? That would have been complete. Have been Imagine great. that. Imagine that. Oi. McGar just pops his head out. Well, what are you waiting for? Yeah, like, on, if if you guys think I haven't dreamed yeah. about that, then you're out of your minds. Absolutely. There's got to be fanfic somewhere out there. Oh, my God. Got to write it. Got to write it. That's great. That's, so That's awesome. awesome. Okay, guys. One thing we haven't really touched on is the plot of the film. Yeah. How long have we been recording now? Like yeah. four hours? I don't know. Um, we haven't talked about the plot. Let's talk about the plot. Well, I, I, is there... I don't, I don't know how much of a plot there actually is to talk about, to be honest. Or at least not, not as much of it that kind of makes... A yeah, whole lot it, of does, sense. it does break down at the end. Over, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say that the plot wasn't the point for me when no, I first saw it. Isn't. It, it really wasn't the point. And we, again, we go back to that 90s thing. This is a very 90s idea, right? The year 2000, yeah. like the night of yeah, the, good the, point. the 21st the century. Yep. Like it's a, such a 90s thing. Yeah, there's a, a millennial thing. anxiety that the world's going to end. Yeah, yeah, the Y2K, 2000. Yes, I don't even think Y2K was a thing in 90s. No, not in 93. It became a thing in like 98, I reckon. Yeah. 
Funny fact, I actually did a TV movie called Y2K. Oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to talk about a movie with absolutely no shelf life? Ever. No one was yeah, ever exactly. going to watch that. Oh January 1st, 2000, everyone's like, well, we don't need to see that ever. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> no residual payments from Y2K, the movie. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> so it's, I suppose it's just a vehicle to get the master into the into the plot and yeah, in yeah. a way to get them to fight it's it's it's, pretty much it's, it. it's like a vessel for the proposed show isn't it when well, much like the, that much way. Like, like bruce is a vessel for the for the master yeah it's before he even gets into into bruce where oh, he's just like yeah this is kind of like an evil snake made out of lubricant this is one of the bits where i walked away <laughs> you know what i mean this is one of the bits where yeah. i walked away not knowing what i thought that was one of the the parts yeah. it was, I, it's the, i enjoyed it and then it's sort of a it's sort of a blob that turns into an evil sort of lube cobra the cobra yeah the cobra head. i did like, like the bit where it goes into his mouth it was really gross like the tail goes, mm. yeah it was great and then it's because yeah. the wife is like oh he snores i hate my husband and then he stops snoring because of the snake and she's like because he's probably dead or something that, that was a that was a good time and she's like ah because <laughs> <laughs> he's probably dead yeah, I don't know. yeah that's so true so two things that's that's Eric's real life yes life. yes they're, is they're it really still married today I did read that and the oh, other man. thing is I when I saw that I, I watched the movie and I thought oh that's weird the snake thing and then I'm like hang on if you've never seen the show before do you think the doctor is one of those weird snake creatures ah <laughs> god that's a good point like for all of us we're like oh it's the master and it's another weird way he's tried sure, to survive yeah. and all that sort of stuff but for people who've never seen it before they're like oh i guess the doctor's a weird yeah slimy lubricant so, yeah so a time snake just states itself in your guts and you become a time lord <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's like, like that's that makes about as much episode. sense as looms but, uh, <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> yeah. And before we even get to get to the master of grace, yeah, there's a bit of is, it, is Bruce got Bruce is the paramedic that has him in the ambulance, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He says yeah. to Chang Lee, "You got to sign here, or we can't do nothing." And is that is that is that true? Is that, is that like, Bridget was like, "That's against the Hippocratic Oath." <laughs> <laughs> hey, total stranger, can you make sure <laughs> to sign this thing? Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. Otherwise, he dies. Like, is it, yeah, yeah. And then we get Grace, and uh, we get the, the Doctor. We get Sylvester McCoy gets to be on that be on that operating table uh, under to, Grace's knife. Yeah, he gets to totally. have it up a little. It, it, it's great. He gets to yell and and and, and yeah, jump around. he got a bit. He it's got great. something. Oh, I loved yeah, it. it yeah, really I do good. too. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a bunch of uh, well, there's sort of there's a whole bunch of the movie where the Doctor's just trying to convince Grace that he's the Doctor. Well, yeah. Who he is after he's had mm. amnesia. That he's the same guy that died on her table. Oh, like the weirdest part. I think the weirdest part of the whole movie is when he comes out of the the fridge and he's wandering around the hospital and there's a bit where he's like wandering around this like abandoned <laughs> horror movie wing of the hospital what? do you remember like, that yeah and it's, I, it's I got, like i'm a, gonna say like look it's it's a wing that's under construction or, there's all the like, that's kind of like plastic hanging destroyed. down no no there's a bunch like, of destroyed stuff i i think maybe they rains lashing they, through the window something they yeah. shot and then changed or, but like there's like this bit where it's an unusual choice he walks into a room and it's like open to the air there's like stuff flapping yeah there's water everywhere and then he walks up to a, like a 50 mirrors on the wall totally uh jeremy yeah. It was supposed to be a Guns N' Roses video. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. It's the original yeah. proposed location for uh, November, November Rain. Rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think in the script, as I, I, I'm casting my memory back, but I think 
the hospital is under construction. I think that's okay, the okay. It, it, That's what I took that's it to nice me. To but know. you write about the mosaic of mirrors and stuff. That was weird. Like, <laughs> hey, that's, like, that's just a cool shot, I guess. Yeah. Also, not sanitary. Like, yeah, you know, one part of the hospital is flooded and the <laughs> other part of the hospital is a working What does that hospital? say about don't, the uh, American health system and the budget and the don't economy? Put, and like, <laughs> don't, put the, all the, um, don't put all the hospital stuff in the room if it's open to the air. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. Didn't they have machines in there? Like, look, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, I'm, I'm like, fine with the middle Euphoric, you know, um, yeah. Bonnie Tyler film clip uh, part of the. the yeah, movie. a Bonnie yeah. Tyler film. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. yeah. Total clips, like total clips of the heart. I guess, I guess Same they were this. just wanting to add a little bit of um, drama, a bit drama. of metaphor. Yeah, like, 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 like something that they who wrote, am I? wrote yeah. shot, and changed. But I don't. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. like we get the great, like the Capaldi shot in the barrel of water, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's like a, a nice. Yeah, like, good point. Sort of, I think they were going for that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's definitely a Christ allegory for sure. Too. Yeah, oh God, was... yeah, yeah. And then he's so he's looking for a beryllium clock, and then <laughs> we're sort of running around. Uh, we get this, we get the amazing the, mo- the come on the the centerpiece of the film, the motorcycle chase. Oh. <laughs> Doctor on a motorcycle for the first time ever. Oh no, hang on, no, we got Pertwee. Pertwee, okay. yeah. Um, and then so and she gets this line on the motorcycle chase because kind of like at the, from the start of the film, Grace is kind of they kind of are casting her as like. She's a brilliant surgeon, and uh, and but they're kind of saying like she can't keep a man. It's really weird. Because yeah. of her, okay, okay. So she's an idiot, she's a she's a professional working woman, right? So she's considered the top of her game, yeah. I guess. So because yeah. she's got classical music playing in her theater, because whatever Grace wants, she gets. You know, when she's working the, those hands, you yeah. know, it's about those she, hands. It's what she needs. Yeah. So she's a what a work obsessed, um, compulsive, like. No time for a man. That's an interesting. Something like that. Well, yeah. the, the, the movie seems to be slanting at that, like that she can't. Even though she's incredible and um and talented, she can't give a man. There's a bit mm. where she's on the bike. She's like, I finally meet the right guy, and he's from another planet, which is like <laughs> wow, the most yeah. amazing line. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, this, isn't there a joke they make about like? I, I, I swear to God, there's a size joke in this yes, movie where yes, he says is. something like, "Yeah, they say that on my planet what, yeah. too." <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Because I, 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 I just did a double take to Bridget, and I was like, "Is that a? Is that a?" Is yeah, that a joke? it was, and it's. I, I it's feel so like it's good. in poor taste, but hey, like it's, I'm it's the nineties, man. Yeah, it's kind of glad it was out there because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's it's good. It's the first. I mean, Paul McGann does the the doctor's first joke, which is a pretty. First and only. There has to be a first. I mean, you know. Was, yeah. there, was there ever a second? <laughs> no, it's uh, the Doctor, where the two Doctors are oh, comparing God, of course. their magic wands. Oh, yeah, God. measuring their screwdrivers. Oh, my God, yeah. How do you guys oh, feel about uh, Doctor Who on a motorcycle? Uh, at the time, yes. um, yeah, I'm always going to... I'm going to start every answer with, at the time. Yeah, me too, because uh, there's two answers. Yeah, yeah, okay. At the time, you hated there is, it. Yeah, well, at the time, I didn't like it. Well, it didn't. It didn't seem right. No, it do, it's, it's not no, riding motorcycles, kissing girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, at the time, I didn't like it, but also part of me did remember that you know this isn't the first time we have action doctor because Pertwee totally. Pertwee loved his stunts. Yes. <laughs> we got speedboats, we got motorbikes, we got action by havoc. Action by havoc. <laughs> it, you know, so it's not the first time. Like the budget was different, the times were different, the country was different. Totally. It was a different show, mm. but so this is just on a much larger scale. A motorcycle chase is something they've done before. It just didn't look as exciting or edgy a seat. Yeah. Look, know. I'm going to say it. At the time, I hated it. Now, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's so funny. Is this because we, now we've had like Matt Smith doing a motorbike up the side up the of the show. skyscraper yeah, and yeah. stuff? I think we're yeah. just a lot more relaxed now that we're not angry teenagers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah. just, it's really and I Yeah, and I love the way he got that motorcycle by taking the cop's gun and pointing it to himself. And, himself? Yeah, that's yeah. so wonderful. That is, 
what a doctor moment that was. Yeah, I mean, it really just saying, is. I'm, you know, I mean, that was inspired. And, and I thought like, yeah, if John Pertwee would have just gone up to whoever, whatever soldier was on that. I'll take that. <laughs> driven off. Maybe a bit on of a three-wheeler or whatever vehicle, you know, so. I, I loved I loved that moment. I actually I, I like the motorcycle chase. I, I do. Think it's fun. Yeah. I look. I don't mind it. All I will say is I didn't want the scene prior to that to end, which is Grace and the Doctor at Grace's home slash apartment. Yeah. Yeah. That I think is the most beautiful part of the film. And if I could watch that <laughs> for sixty minutes or whatever yeah. it is, I would have loved that. There's a beautiful interchange between the two of them about mm. you know holding back death. Mm. This whole thing about oh, I don't believe in that anymore. Um, mm. And and the Doctor sort of reawakening you know almost like her purpose in life you know the, the yeah. sort of wonder and that's so and there's that line good. that he, he yeah. delivers you know she says you can't turn back timer i don't believe in that presaging by the way the resolution which we'll talk about in a second sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. And he says yes you can mm-hmm. and just the look on his face we talked about doctory moments that yeah. is an yeah. incredible yeah. all-time yeah, doctory yeah. moment it's wonderful yeah. that's mcgann as the doctor for me he's yeah. beautiful we've said before that the the actor doesn't choose the role the role chooses <laughs> the actor you know it's, yeah <laughs> well i think it's true mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a moment that illustrates mm-hmm. just how perfect McGann is in the room. And then he oh, walks yeah. through a window. Oh, that is so <laughs> good. <laughs> so shall we get to the resolution then? Sure. I mean, from there, there's, there's, so this is running around getting a clock. Uh, the master's <laughs> in the TARDIS in that amazing outfit trying to set up the Eye of Harmony. And, uh, you know, mm. what, yeah, we get to the resolution. They're all mm. in there. It's a big set piece in the, in the cloister room. Mm. Yeah. And I just found it utterly, and probably to this day, utterly underwhelming. It's that Superman uh, mm. You know, get out where he just sort of turns the clock back by a day and they come back to life. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. I still I do can't it, abide. I do find the whole thing baffling. Like, do they, he goes back in time but inside the TARDIS? Makes no sense, Dan. I can't really. It makes yeah. no sense. Not, yeah. <laughs> I do. And they kind of use the Eye of Harmony as this, they use it for so many different things. It's like sort of well, a power source. Mm. And then they. It's not what the Eye of Harmony was meant to well, be. It's, it's one of those things they rewrote. Yeah, like I, that's okay. And but, I can live with it. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but they kind of use it as all these different things. They use it as something that, yeah, the, the, the engine of the, the TARDIS kind of. And kind then they, well, power source, but also a way to destroy the world and yeah. the known universe. But it also, also really won't just destroy it. Won't just give. Give um it, like if the doctor looks into it, it'll steal his soul, and yeah. then the master can use his body, <laughs> and then and then at the end they use it as a uh, you know a scare. It's sort of a scary, smoky hole that the uh, master falls into and dies. Like uh, you know that's so they use it for all these different things. And yeah, it, it's they, it's very efficient. I guess they had plans for the Eye of Harmony. I don't know. Who knows? Like, it's yeah. very efficient. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah, it's very efficient. <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could explain to you what they meant, but I have no earthly idea. Um, like, why is why is a piece of Time Lord technology predicated upon a human being's retina? I don't understand yeah. where that comes from. What is that about? That's a weird, you know, that would be like us designing a, a car that can only be operated if like a, a Doberman pincer turns the key or something like that. It would just be like, why would you do that? That doesn't make... Yeah, I'm not and, sure about that. Yeah, it's so, like yeah. the the TARDIS likes Chang Lee, so it lets him open doors yeah. and things, and then uh, also yeah. he stares into a terrifying light hole, and that opens the eye of harmony. It's like, yeah, maybe yeah. it was a failsafe. The time was like, we don't want any of these guys to open their TARDIS's eye of harmony, so we'll make it the, just this weird obscure race, <laughs> or, or just someone that the, the TARDIS likes can open it by staring into the terrifying light hole. I don't, I don't know. Ter- terrifying light hole. That's uh, wow. That's what it is. He, he, Sounds like a 
<laughs> Sounds like a Mark Gatiss script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> light hole, terrifying then, light hole. And so, and then he sort of he he he, he uh, hypnotizes Grace, right? She gets the old black eye. Oh yeah, the evil yeah. eyes. Oh yeah, the black yeah. eyes. And that's I, until Jeremy made me aware of the fact that they probably wrote in some ad breaks. I didn't realize that that sort of slow zoom into evil Grace's face is a, definitely an ad break. Right? <laughs> yeah, everyone's supposed to go, oh, evil. Yeah. And then really just sort of wraps up. Master disappears into the the black hole. He falls to his death Harmony. into the. Well, we don't know that. I'm sure he was meant to oh, come back. Oh, in of course, yeah, he's the master. Yeah. He's locked inside the time vortex or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the <laughs> lovely little denouement filmed somewhere in Vancouver. That's meant to be San Francisco on New yeah. Year's Eve. Yeah. So yeah. it is meant to be December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. They filmed yeah. it in yeah. Yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. So and it was um, there were blizzards happening at the time, so. There's a, a good story if you ever at a convention where um, I believe that Paul and Daphne and Sylvester all went to a, a, a somewhat famous bar and um, they all left and Daphne decided she was, I can't remember why she thought she wanted to walk, but she wound up in the worst part of Vancouver uh, that you could possibly be in and had to like flag down someone who operated like a drug rehab clinic to open up their door to let her take a cab home so yep pretty scary the, the other thing is funny too is it was sylvester's second time in vancouver because the first time he went there he went there on a pub crawl with john pertwee oh, oh my god, god. Good what? Story. oh my god what? it's another wow. good story to hear i was because i was literally, had a glass of wine yeah. that's amazing <laughs> I was literally going to say, like, could you imagine walking into a famous bar in Vancouver and Sing. Sylvester McCoy and Paul McGarner and they're having a drink? But you just yes. topped it. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy went on a pub crawl with John Pertwee. Oh, who do you yeah. think? Um, who do you think drank who under the table? Probably Pertwee. Pertwee's Pertwee a Navy drank man. McCoy under the table. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Is he drinking? He's, he's probably a Navy drinking man. Rum. Come on, yeah. like, yeah, he's a Navy. He's yeah. also like eight. He's also eight feet taller than Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sylvester's yeah. a, a, a bigger constitution. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Sylvester's a Scot, but I think. Oh well, uh, that's true. But yeah. I still reckon, yep. Pertwee. I'm not saying that Scott's a, a heavy drinker. Don't easy on the uh, yeah, yeah, casual BBC racism. Yeah, easy on that. <laughs> Just that last bit at the ending when he sits down and drinks tea and you're like, is there going to be another, is there any more? And then it's just like, bam, the credits come up and it's just like, oh, Jesus that was it. Christ. Yeah, that's it. Wow, that's it. It's Great. a bit abrupt, but I think also it's probably done that way so that if it did go to series, mm. then you could have the Doctor come back for Grace if Daphne mm. Ashbrook was available. And mm. if not, then you mm. go to another actress and you continue mm. on the story that way. So it, mm. it's kind of like they, they allowed themselves the freedom of movement to, to go either way there. Yeah. And if it doesn't, um, go to series which ultimately it didn't then you have sort of like a whimsical crap BBC joke to finish the whole story like we normally do yeah <laughs> yeah it's true it's uh, yeah it's such a weird like here we go again moment it's like here we go again yeah yeah, it's yeah. Just a yeah. <laughs> very strange thing Jeremy we've got a segment on this program it's a fairly new segment it's only been on the last couple of episodes actually <laughs> it's a segment that I titled um Gentlemen, what did we forget? <laughs> and it was put in place because we just realized halfway through a record one day that we'd forgotten a whole bunch of stuff and there was no way to segue back to it. Also, we didn't want to edit. edit no, we didn't want to edit. edit. We didn't edit. So <laughs> I came okay. up with this segment. Yes. It seems to work pretty well. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, so, gentlemen, what did we forget? I could have already thought of a couple of things. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Can, wait, wait. Can we, first of all, we haven't touched on this, guys. The intro sequence. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the theme music. 
What do we think mm-hmm. about the theme music? It starts it, on, the, on the middle eight. On the middle eight, it's which weird. is my favorite part of the theme. It is a very weird place to start. <laughs> it is a weird place to start. It's, very it's weird. jazzy. Mm. It's kind of jazz loungy. It's nineties. It's nineties. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, very nineties. Uh, I did like. I love that time tunnel, and I really yeah, time liked tunnel it. looked great. Uh, having seen the new show, it's mm. um, it's, it does not a patch on it, obviously. Not, but yeah, but yeah, it's different mm-hmm. for for the time. It's great, and because we had nothing like it before, nothing quite as um fancy as that before. I loved it. Yeah, blew me away. Yeah, it was it a was, nice it way. Was to... a, it was definitely meant to be wow factor. Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah, I, I love the way it implies that there's a gigantic set of block letters that reads Doctor Who that just flies around. Yeah. <laughs> you go through it and then you turn and you see it's reversed and yeah. flying away from you. I'm like, is it implying there's just big logo just flying through space, just is it is crashing it a... into planets and stuff? In... <laughs> is it a gentle nod? To yeah. um, McCoy, to McCoy's intro, the three the J and T's three oh, blocky letters yeah, the, that do the spin round, and also and the ast- the the asteroids that fly towards yeah, you down the yeah. tube. I, that didn't remind, remind me of mm, McCoy. Hey, yeah, in um yeah. in infinite dimensions, there is a dimension somewhere where there is time tunnels and there are giant letters flying around in space. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's great. And if they didn't exist before, we've just created them. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably with an eye of harmony or a light tunnel, or was that a light hole? <laughs> terrifying light. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying light, light hole. hole. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what else? What else do we forget? Oh, well, uh, the cloister room. Yeah. We, we, we spoke about oh, that yeah. beautiful TARDIS set. Part of it, of course, is the cloister room. Yeah. I'm nice. going to say straight off, I was blown away from the moment I saw it. The stone floor, mm. the leaves. Mm. If you didn't like that, if you're like... Yeah. How gothic is that? Amazing. But if your objection to Doctor Who is, is that, how why do they have like stone yeah. cloister rooms yeah. in the TARDIS? It's like, because they have a budget. Yeah. And yeah. if they wanted to do that, mm-hmm. in exactly. Log- if, they, if they had the budget, they would have done it in Logopolis. And exactly. And <laughs> it we looks still incredible. Got, we got the organic feel in Logopolis. Yeah. And like, so we've got that. Exactly. Little, yeah. The leaves on the, the leaves floor. The leaves on the floor. awesome. Yeah. With it, and they blow the around and stuff. <laughs> I think, so I think there's definitely some sort of like visual influence between Logopolis I and think the TV so. movie. Yeah. Like little production design details like that. that yeah, it, they're beautiful. They really it's, care about yeah. it. And it's like there's the sort of steps at the back and a kind mm. of um. Mm. Is there like a window? Yeah, yeah. It looks like a, yeah. There's mm-hmm. like a um sort like of a stained thing. glass window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's almost That's like right. a giant church, like a cathedral. Yeah, set. yeah. It makes yeah. me wonder if they if they yeah. It did make me wonder for a second if they built it specifically or if they reused some kind of amazing cathedral set from something else. But I assume they built it. I, I think also it. it's a lift from things like Metropolis and the final scene of the 1989 Batman film. So, oh, you know, you have gosh, that sort yeah, of, okay. you know, top of the cathedral mm-hmm. kind of uh, showdown between the goodie and the baddie. Yeah. yeah. They just, they needed mm-hmm. that perfect room for that showdown, didn't they? Mm. And like, they, yeah, that's, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And I also love, like, I always thought too, that whenever they showed other rooms in the TARDIS before it, it, it never really got across to me how vast the, the, the interior was. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Even when they used the swimming pool or, yeah. you know, <laughs> or journey to the center of the TARDIS, it all felt so designed. And yes. this, the, the leaves, I love that you brought that up because that blew me away too. Cause I felt like, Oh, something blew in here 35 years ago and yeah. has been whisking around the TARDIS yes. for yeah. all that time. Yeah. And just yeah. no one goes into the corner to dust, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really communicated that like there's rooms in this place that no one goes into that yes. are dead. Yes. That are, you know, and I thought that was really lovely. It was a real sense of place and space in there. How many, I mean, how many Roombas would you need for the TARDIS? <laughs> Way too many. I don't know. And no, he's not going to go around dusting it and raking up leaves. It's already cluttered in the console room. It's already pretty cluttered. In it's a lived in space. So, yeah. 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 Very much so. Mm. Very clever design. Uh, Very clever damn. design. 
Yeah, well, one of the only things I forgot was like something I know is really fun that I noticed. Like, there's the 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 clock doctor, the clock guy, the professor who's made it his life's work to make the. He's like from this moment, from the from the dawn of the millennium, we'll have the most accurate timekeeping we've ever had before. I was like, is that that's this guy's life's work? But anyway, I mean, <laughs> scientists they they specialize. But my favorite part of it is that this kind of movie imagines a world where the press are eating this up. Like, there's a bit where he's sort of, it's like you know, it's New Year's, it's New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve, man, and these there's like a heap of photographers and people thrusting microphones in his face. They, they, they love work. it. They love it, and they want to know all about this like way more accurate clock. This beryllium time clock. That scoop. They want to know. It's New Year's Eve. Like, go party. Like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's a it's a big party at the um, Institute of um, Advanced Research. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, big soiree. Big, big party soirée. for a clock. I mean, you yeah. know, like yeah. I love that the, this presupposes a world where people really care about science. I mm. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a real soiree. It's fancy. There's it champagne fancy. on trays. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's tux. It's black tie event. Yeah, it is black tie. I mean, yeah, yeah it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, has to be. <laughs> new new clock. That was new, clock, new clock. You know? Yeah, that was. I mean, I wouldn't worry. There's nothing else happening on New Year's Eve, 1999. Anyways, it's no, not like there's no, another big it. thing happening. This is it. That people would want to cover. Yeah, this is what the Prince song was about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um the only other thing I I, I remember is, is the master. He has a line near the end where he's he screams at the doctor. He says, "You are my life," and it's like I think yeah. he, I think they, what they mean is they, you know he's going to steal his lives and he needs him to continue. But it is like I did think it was a really maybe accidentally accurate description of the master because for so many years. His only mm. plot point is that he's trying to kill the doctor. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was kind of like I don't know if they thought the, of that. If when that they was were a clever line. thing, or was there? Is or maybe it's it, just an accidentally perfect. That gets read that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Because that is the master's life. He's trying to kill the doctor. Like, you are my life. It's kind of like uh, he, I, he hates I you, literally but he loves. Yeah. Yeah. I love you too. I literally have nothing better to do with my days. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. very Freudian. I like that. Yeah. This yeah. is this is the master's me. entire like point of existence. All right, lovely. Did we forget anything else, gentlemen? Um. Jeremy, is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't covered? Uh, isn't there a doctor's parentage issue? Ooh, uh, this we is are a going to, very uh, good point. Actually, are we going to save that? Without, no, no, it's okay. Without further ado, then Let's maybe. Do it. Listen, so, um, okay, so we've always had this thing on the show where we do a segment called uh, Crackers or Clangers. And it's all about the cliffhangers of whatever Doctor Who story mm. we're mm. covering at the time. Of course, we don't have the copy of the film with the ad breaks <laughs> to use those for cliffhangers. I wish. Because um, <laughs> those are cliffhangers. Yeah, they no, are right. cliffhangers. So right. what I thought we could do is go through the list of stories that were proposed mm-hmm. for the new series and mm-hmm. never, never made it to our screens and decide whether they themselves are crackers or clangers. Okay, this is amazing. So <laughs> th- this is the this is the kind of stuff that you might find in what's called the Leakley Bible, which was uh, yeah. a document that was commissioned initially by Philip Segal around what the the reboot, I guess, the American mm. uh, Fox television mm. reboot of Doctor Who would be, and sort of has some wild and wacky ideas in there, yeah. some of which you can read in books like The Nth Doctor. Yes, one I haven't mm-hmm. read and I would like to yeah, read. Yeah, really good. brand new stuff to me, so I'm just coming out of this. You're going to enjoy this. Just you are right. going to enjoy yeah. this. <laughs> so, okay, so the, 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 whole, the whole episodic timeline, if you will, has a name. It's called the John Leakley Bible. Mm-hmm. So John Leakley is the yeah. guy who... Is uh, I guess would have been the script editor, that, for want of a better term. I guess, um, yeah. Yeah, he was he was the one who was writing these stories, deciding the way this series should play out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going straight to Wikipedia here. Um, uh, <laughs> oh well, we're ready the, to play. Uh, is, uh, we're, we're getting oh yeah, ready yeah, to oh yeah, play. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Getting ready to play. <laughs> proposed episodes. Proposed episodes. <laughs> 
crackers or clangers. <laughs> um, okay, so jo- join us, if you will, Jeremy, as we delve into John Leakley's Bible. All right, let's do it. Okay. So, the pilot was to feature the half-human doctor yes. seeking his father Ulysses mm-hmm. through various time periods. Contemporary Gallifrey, where Barusa dies and is merged with the TARDIS. Interesting. Wait, oh, so he would have been like a voice, a disembodied yep. Knight Rider type kit voice. Maybe he lived the in, the, in the light exactly. tunnel. Maybe like in the terrifying light <laughs> tunnel. Maybe <laughs> Barusa lived in there. That's you know? a wacky like, companion right there. Yeah, um, and of course, the master becomes leader of the Time Lords. You can wrap your head around that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. England, so there were going to be stories with England during the Blitz, which I actually hey. thought that would be pretty cool. Hey, we got it with the Doctor Dancers. We did. Um, mm-hmm. Ancient Egypt and Scaro, where the Daleks are being created. So they were going to rewrite of the Daleks. everything. Yep, were, yep. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so without further ado, the Talons of Wing Chiang, okay. set in New York City. Hey. Yep, that's the one they chose. They were going they, to choose they, to remake. It's not the only one they chose oh, to remake. Wow. Okay, let's go. Okay, okay. They were going to rewrite the whole show. Okay, I, th- I, th- I think, I think, like that was the idea. Oh, like do a bunch of, all do right. a bunch of remakes. I, okay, I'm not against the idea, but mm. let, let's continue. Like, what yeah. else would? What, 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 okay, what would so I all mean? I've got on that literally is it's the talents of Wang Chiang set in New York City, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an iffy one to choose. Wow, I'm yeah. going straight mm. out with Clanger. Oh, I pr- could they handle it with more sensitivity than the BBC? Maybe. Yes, but it's the <laughs> That's 90s. That's one really so, good question. Right? Yeah, I think they it would be hard to handle it with less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how that would work unless you're sort of looking at... Um, and again, this is pretty racist, but like triads in New York, like crime underground sort of thing. Undergr- yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, underground crime. Lord knows. Um, Are we going to try and get into the minds of 90s uh, television Let's producers? not. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, to me, it's a place they probably shouldn't be going. Yeah. Um, that, like, it, like it's tainted. The story's tainted. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is now, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, what so, else? I don't know. Where are they going from there? Well, come on, guys. Cracker or Clanger? Oh, Clang. Clangerino. Jeremy? Clanger, I think. Yeah, Yeah, Clanger. (laughs) Okay. Next up, we've got Earthshock. Featuring Hmm. the Cybes. Oh, yes. Cybes is abbreviated term for Cyber, but they're going to... This guy wanted to call them the Cybes. Is that where that weird, scary, um, sort of human-faced metal Cybermen No, that's from the Lost in Dark... Lost in the Dark... Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, that was going to be the the souped-up Cybermen. And it's a similar thing, though. He wanted to reimagine the Cybermen, he wanted to redesign them, and they were going to be more scary and more, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe more claws and teeth, you know? So, yeah, it sounds like... Yeah. uh, that sounds like Mountain Dew, like you yeah. know, like the sides. <laughs> the sides, like yeah. yeah the they're going to be skateboarders, and they're going to yeah. That's have that's back kind of baseball hats. Yeah, yeah. And the terms referred to as Leakley's more piratical version of the side. Oh, so Cybermen is pirates. Mm. Hey guys, I so. I, I'm just going to say it right now. Cracker. Yeah. Into, it. <laughs> Into it. Don't care what you say. Pirates. It's pirate. Oh, come on. Rad, it's, it's, it's... rad pirate Cybermen called Cybes. <laughs> <laughs> Cracker. Cracker. I'm, do it. Okay, yeah, cracker. You got me. You sold me. <laughs> it's a cracker. Yeah, you, yeah. If I we're going cracker, American, we're going all that. in, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Steve, look. <laughs> all right, let's do it. What cracker? Crack- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to spit that out, didn't you? Are they, so, were they were they, they going to film it in America, or was this going to be another Vancouver production? I, I have no idea. I guess uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, 
Jeremy, you mentioned the idea of a remake of something like the horror of Fang Rock and how it wouldn't work. Right. Guess what's up next? <laughs> horror, horror Fang, Fang Rock. Rock. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's all I've got. I've got nothing else on it. I don't know where it's set. So I don't know what. Uh, mm, yeah. So is it set off the coast of America or is it sort oh, of. Oh, yeah, like a main coastline. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know you've got some beautiful you do. areas to shoot yeah. in, right? But you know like, what? Like, just because it's being made in America doesn't mean the entire thing is being set in America. They could go to Scandinavia, they could go anywhere they wanted, really. Because they've got a budget to make somewhere look like... They've got to go on location. Not necessarily go away, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. make America look like... Make an American coastline look like a foreign coastline. And you know what? And on the face face of not having anything else to discuss about it, the actual facts about this idea of the horror thing, I'm actually going to give it a crack up. Uh, Look, I think it's probably Terence Dix's most tight script for Doctor Who. Everything pieces Mm -hmm. together wonderfully. Mm. You can't muck that script up. Yeah. So it's got to be a cracker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cracker. That's a... Well, that's a cranger for me. Cranger? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's a cracker. I think that's a, such an evocative mm-hmm. setting. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do too. Awesome. Um, okay. The next remake. All right. right. That sounds... they, are they all remakes? That's so disappointing. No, well, there's just a lot of them. There's a lot of oh, them. Okay. 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 So this one's titled The Celestial Toymaker. No. Oh, Lord. Stop. Lord, right Lord there. Above. And I have a little bit more info <laughs> on this one, Steve. Yeah. Well, John Lakely. I guess. <laughs> Uh, I will add right now, just as a disclaimer before we get to the end, that all of these scripts were highly disapproved of at Amblin and were thrown in the trash. Oh, <laughs> so, so, these, so sorry, the Leakley Bible, these are just proposed yeah. they, they, ideas yeah, by John yeah, yeah. This, this is, yeah. At one point, this is where the show was going. And right? I know also Philip yeah. Segal was mm, wary, I guess, yeah. in terms of some of the directions that were coming from this, from yeah. this document. Yeah. It sounds like a, yeah, okay, go on. The Celestial Toymaker, who was to have been under the control of the Master. Yeah, Clanger. Yeah. Okay, not only is it a crap story, but you're adding (laughs) fan (laughs) on top of it? No. Absolutely not. Resounding (laughs) Clang. It's a get the hell out of here. Maybe we would finally figure out how the Trilogic game works. (laughs) (laughs) Or would it just be the next terrifying light tower? It would have been, hey, it's the 90s. It would have been on like a hologram computer screen. It would have been a video game. Yeah. 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 It would would have been like VR. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Would have been a never say. Clanger. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to get worse and worse, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) This one's called Don't Shoot, I'm the Doctor. And it's a more more historically accurate remake of The the Gunfighters. Sure. Mm. Okay, my my problem with this is that The Gunfighters from the sort of Dennis Spooner school of script editing is meant to be a farce. So we we see it in the Romans. It's basically carry on in in Doctor Who. That's a very, very dated 1950s, never mind 60s Mm. sort of approach to comedy and British comedy at that. To think that this would be... A 90s American reinterpretation yeah. of a 60s yeah. tough for British for British production. I, Absolutely, I, yeah. I yeah. don't know, and, and I think the jocular nature of the title suggests that it wouldn't be like a, yeah. a straight down the middle telling of the wider but, tombstone story. So. But I do like the gunfighters. No. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't have bad American accents <laughs> this time around. It'd be genuine. You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. It'd be shot in Vancouver. There'd be a lot of Canadian accents. Oh. I have faith in Vancouver. They shot all the all those seasons of the X-Files there. It's so great. I know. And there's you hear a lot of, sorry yeah. about that, yes. you guys. And, yeah. But that's why I love it. And yeah, the X-Files did it so well, I think. that, and they, 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 Sometimes I feel like they just weren't even trying to hide it. And yeah. I just love yeah. that. So. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think it would be fun. Okay, look, I'm, I'm in the interest of, like, I've heard worse ideas. Yeah, uh, I think there's going to be worse ones coming up, so I'm going to say yeah, cracker for that um, I'm gonna Look, I'm getting... Yeah. I'll, I'll give it... What the hell? I'm giving it a crack. Okay. I'm giving it a crack. Like, right. I want to see an American version of the gunfighters. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Hey, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do we reckon, guys? Yeah, it's a crackery, crackery yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm reserving judgment on okay, this. You're reserving. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. It's going to be worse. I think, so. <laughs> we come back. How yeah, we might have to. At the moment, okay, it's playing. We're, we're getting through. We're getting through. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, Dan, you love the idea of the piratical cybes? Oh, hello. <laughs> then you're going to love the title of this next piece. It's Tomb of the Cybes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. And of course, as you might have guessed, it's a remake of the Tomb of the Cybermen, in which the cybes are awoken by the master. No. So there's going to be a lot of master in this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. if they can do wow. master, master well. Well, listen, like, you know that we, we talked earlier about what the pilot episode was going to be, the half-human doctor trying yeah. to track down his father, Ulysses. Why Ulysses, I don't know. <laughs> I'll it was tell you why be, in a moment. Yeah, oh, yeah well, yeah. the episode was going to be called Fathers and Brothers. Okay. Apparently that was a working title With for the that. master being the brother of yeah, the... Half-brother yeah. of the doctor. Half-brother of the oh, doctor, wait. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, look... Sure. Why I, not uh, completely rewrite it? Why not? Yeah, exactly. That's what's <laughs> happening here. How do we feel about that? I don't like it myself. Yeah, not mad about it. Look, I think with Tomb of the Cybermen, there's two things. One, mm. it is a very atmospheric mm. horror movie that We've, can be done well, and yes. I think is done well. Yes. But then also of... there's the sort of representation issues of you know Tobin mm. we talked about before mm. on the podcast awesome, a long time awesome, ago, awesome. Yeah. and Captain so and yeah, Quig. Sure, so. A, Depends how they would have cleaned treated. that up. There's, there's yeah. things that can be corrected. I think much oh, like absolutely to remake the talents. It's got a great like the, the concept and the setting of the sort of ancient, uh, like future tech archaeology, which we talked about. On the yes, you have. Yeah, that we that I love. That's that's pretty good. And it, you've also got in the can already a bunch of shots, like and scenes that mm. from Tomb that are so iconic that you can just sort of recreate and make probably make mm. even or more amazing. Mm. With the budget, I I don't like the idea of a '90s version of Tomb of the Cyber. <laughs> I don't know no, because I don't, hear me out. It's because the original is perfect. Well, apart from uh, yes, a couple you of love, you love I yeah. love Tomb of the Cyber. Like recording that episode on this it podcast was, great, was yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's a huge one for me. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think part part of what makes Tomb of the Cybermen work is that the way they made Doctor Who back then and mm. all in one mm. set and shot in an order and that really created this claustrophobic yes. atmospheric tone and i think you're right they probably could do something like that but i just feel like every time they say the word sibes it would just <laughs> yeah, grating it would grate <laughs> wouldn't it it would grate yeah right. so probably terrible a, yeah a universal clanger yeah, yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say clanger because it kind of scares me a little bit it makes me anxious the idea of that happening like yeah um, but also yeah. the fact that the master's in it just yeah no 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 the, what you mean is the Doctor's evil half-brother. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up, The Yeti, which is a remake of The Abominable Snowman mm. featuring the Dalai Lama and Sir Edmund Hillary. Ooh, that's a massive clang from me. There you yeah. go. <laughs> they're not, they're not going yeah, to do that. Oh, dear. That's a, wow. It's a cracker. It's a cracker if they actually cast the Dalai Lama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all hinges on that, though. Yeah, who's who's yeah. going to play Edmund if Hillary? If they'd gotten the Dalai Lama, that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. And who is going to play Sir Edmund Which, Hillary? What, yeah, that's a good what, what, point. So, um, Jeremy, what sort of venerated uh, elderly um, Canadian actor would play Edmund Hillary, do you think, in the 90s? Uh, in the night, Christopher Plummer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm kind of more on board now. Okay. <laughs> on the proviso that the Dalai Lama plays the Dalai Lama, yes, it's a cracker. Cracker. It's a plumber cracker. Plumber. Yeah. 
yeah. Look, I think that can really work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go cracker on that. Okay, cracker? Okay. Okay, guys. He's sitting down. All right. This is the arc in space. Ah. So, earlier version. Okay. Yeah, hey, that's all I've got on that. Post alien. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh. And with a budget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Would it just look a lot like alien? It would. That's, well, that's the problem. That's the, that's the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Things that worked with the original arc, like when you think of setting, we discussed this on the last episode we did, uh, the, that, that clinical setting, that clinical white setting of this space station, mm. would, they, would they have gone there? Like, what would it be? Would it be... Nah, it'd be a techie... Gloomy, yeah. techie... Like, yeah. I feel like something would be lost with that, a remake of that. It's very like, possibly, I, yeah. I'd be game for this one because I love Arkham Space so much mm. and I think the setting... And some, some of the things that let... The only things that let Ark in Space down are the so the they don't really let it down for me, but the effects and oh yeah, well like the, the Wirren. yeah, yeah sure. okay, so kind of, like the idea that, of a, a redesigned Wirren. Just to see that again with a like, with a with a better paid Canadian cast. I feel like the uh, set would just look like the set would that, just like look like Red Dwarf, right? Like yeah, yeah that's likely. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Red Dwarf sets, are, a lot of those are just like the back lots, like the, the yeah. all the the ship sets and stuff are like under the seating at the yeah at the studio and stuff. So they could probably mm-hmm. do that. Um. I'm just all I can think about now is which Canadian actors would play. Mm. Would play here. And I'm just getting. I'm going down a rabbit hole now. Yeah, don't don't go down that path. Nice <laughs> oh, madness you know, there. The, the, yeah, the, like the body horror aspect of it too. That you know, are we going to have some form of um, Sarah Jane type companion who wanders off on her own and gets, sure. gets separated from the Doctor mm. and the, the other companion? Mm. We'll say like the Harry. You know, all of those things yeah. that worked so well. I think it can work. I think that's Because a- this is right. Like, this is interesting, right? With the Arkham Space, we all agreed that those three were the perfect TARDIS team. Mm. They were just perfect. And they worked so well in that story. It really made them shine. I, if I they, think about Grace and Chang Lee. I was going to say. Yeah. 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 This, is, this is what I was getting to. Like, if we've got a, if we've got a series now where, say, Grace and Chang Lee are the companions. Yeah, I, can, I can see it. I could see it working yeah. as well. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah, if it's with Grace and Chang Lee, I kind of just want to see it made. So I'd be automatic <laughs> yeah. cracker. But now, yeah, you got Grace and Chang Lee in there. I'm, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd go cracker. I'm gonna go cracker. Yeah, yeah, cracker. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was actually I was heading towards clanger, but now it's a cracker. <laughs> just to wrap all of this up, earlier versions of the Bible. I'm calling it the Bible, Oof. included, among others, The Sibes, a story set on Mars <laughs> in which the Doctor escapes capture by hiding in a gold mine. Revenge of the Sidemen, anyway. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, a remake of the Sea Devil set in a Louisiana oil rig. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't redo the Sea Devils. How could you make it without... How them? could you redo the Sea Devils, yeah. <laughs> How could you do it without taking three and a half hours of running between sets and, and corridors and, and hovercraft? Can't. And, and no Trenchard sword... talking about a golf game. And no sword fight with a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And especially no... No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's a clacker. What else? That's a clacker. Okay, um, the, the, for the first time now in this run, we've got one that isn't a remake of an original story. Mm-hmm. It's called The Outcasts, and in which the Sibes would attack Gallifreyan outcasts. Yeah, right. Gallifreyan are getting, outcasts. Are we getting so many Sibes? Yeah, too many. Because um, they couldn't get the rights to the Daleks? I'm assuming there was, there was, I, I would assume would, that yeah yeah. there yeah, was talk a of a remake of Genesis of the Daleks but it wasn't like it was with Spider Daleks Spider Daleks yeah, yes you're right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, alright so that's the outcast wow. next up was like Clacker yeah um, <laughs> come on 
the mm. land of fear, which is a conflation of the reign of terror and the claws of Axos. That's confusing. <laughs> Stop right there. Yeah. And let's move on because ah. that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is interesting. A remake of the demons set in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, that could oh. work. There's it a sort of like work. crucible yeah. sort of vibe to that. Yeah. Yeah. That sure. could work. Yeah, so, that could work. Well, in the interest of I'm going to say Cracker. Yeah, Cracker. Yeah. You know, I, I've sort of often thought what The Awakening would look like if it was like with Perry and set in Northeast America, and that wow. would be a similar vibe yeah. to The Demons in that like mm-hmm. that remake there. So, yeah, Cracker for me. One more, guys. A completed version of Sharda, ah. which would have introduced Romana Ooh. and Professor Cronotus as Romana's uncle. Sure, that's fine. Uh, so we would why, why, why do why do that? Fine, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know why do that, uh, but we would have got Romana. Romana. Oh, would she be American? Would she be Canadian? Yeah. Canadian, Canadian, I can handle, but American, no. It would be Alanis Morissette. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. But that would be funny. Far out, oh, yeah. Wow, you know funny. what? Don't laugh. It could have been. Hey. Uh, yeah. You know what? An Alanis Morissette, Romana, and a completed charter. Yeah. Probably down. It's, that's a Douglas Adams script. Shadow's an interesting one to tackle, isn't it? Because it, did, it didn't exist in entirety. Well, so. yeah, I suppose that's probably why they chose right. it. They seem to have not written a bunch of uh, original stuff here. They can see yeah, scrambling. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, the, the original stuff seems to be the rewrite of the Doctor's character, the idea of the Time Lords, what they even seems. are. Um, yeah. You know, that seems to be the... Re, the and the all of original that, ideas. All yeah. of that harkens back to the Greek myth. So with the fact that you have this the, is the Ulysses thing, like, exactly. Yeah. So Ulysses is Odysseus, mm-hmm. the yep. the sort of uh, father who is absent and and is on great adventures. Which is actually who the, I think the Doctor you, is you when always, he comes. I've, I've always said that. I feel that's mm. the case. So instead, the Doctor is cast dad. as his his well, yeah, <laughs> and and the Doctor is Telemachus, his his son who is searching for the father. Mm. Um, the the sort of almost like Oedipal sort of connections between you know his mother figure which is also Penelope who is Odysseus's yeah, wife but Telemachus is a drip though he is a drip <laughs> and um <laughs> and so what we have is is kind of like this obsession that Hollywood had certainly in the 80s and the 90s after uh, particularly Star Wars when the Joseph Campbell monomyth which is mm. this idea of the the hero's journey was basically the way in which every Hollywood action adventure film needed to be made it was like mm. if it doesn't correspond to you know this act structure and yeah. this happens mm. here and this this is the type of character and you need to need it together mm. it just wouldn't be green lit so the leakley bible is very much an artifact of the time when hollywood yeah. made sure that basically every adventure story was was sort of reflective of the star wars yeah. Uh, yeah. film yeah. Yeah. which is a yeah. reflection of the, it, those ancient because it worked i guess that, and right. studios because, and executives exactly. like to find something like star wars as well because this was doctor who does star wars the, the idea of these yeah. special effects the yeah. idea of this was meant to be absolutely like, and in that regard i feel like it would be a massive clang because what you're doing effectively is imposing a Hollywood aesthetic on and, and structure onto a, 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 a story a and a Douglas mythos Adams that story. is independent mm. of well the, the man yeah. writes he writes he writes British and he writes absurd yeah, yeah but, that's, 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 but Doctor Who as, as a whole you just wouldn't be able to make the whole thing fit I don't feel yeah, yeah. yeah. so ill-advised ill-advised yeah okay it's mm-hmm. a clacker then yeah, that, yeah, ill-advised. I agree. I don't know if there's any way to make it work and make it fit in with what else they were doing. So that's that's the other thing too. It would tonally just seem very, very strange. So yeah, 
yeah, clanger for me on that one. I'm afraid. Yeah, that yeah that's it. Um, so that's the Le- that's the leaky Bible. Bible. I've got a feeling there's other synopses for other oh, for stories sure. somewhere, yeah. and I have read them before. I couldn't locate them. Sorry. The, those are the ones um, that kind of this that, is the kind of thing that got the. This purpose. was okay. So I'll just close off. I'm, I'm reading sure. all sorry. of this from Wikipedia, by the way, guys. Um, so I'll finish off with what's written here. Leakley's scripts were not well received at Amblin <laughs> or elsewhere, and in September 1994, he was removed from the project. Okay. Okay. So, I, yes. Cool. That's a nice little cap on that one. So that's our crackers or clangers this time around. <laughs> Bit of a mix, actually. More crackers than I thought. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like it's interesting ideas like the Damon set in Salem's Lot, sort of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could really see that working. And I it, think the ones that work are more about the atmosphere, like the the idea of an oil rig in Louisiana, Louisiana. <laughs> or like you know, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's the whole thing's the, all of it smacks of one one big brainstorm meeting where they're like uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the demons but the demons but in Massachusetts yeah. and then someone's like the Cybermen and then some guy's like yeah those, they're too uh, they're too weird and old why don't we Look, call them the Cybes I love it <laughs> and then just like they're just throwing out classic episodes and changing one thing like it's just it just yeah. smacks a bit uh, but I like it yeah <laughs> I want to see this I want to see a concept drawing for the Cybes I really really want to see that I wonder if there's one out there yeah. I wonder if there's one on, well you know what take that photo from the the lost in the dark dimension of the of the evil cyberman yeah. take that as a cyber with the spiritual face yeah, yeah. yeah. i guarantee face. you it's the 90s and they're called cybs i guarantee you like rollerblade wheels come out of that oh feet. no no <laughs> oh, for sure definitely oh, my yeah. backward hats yes <laughs> and i for one am on board anyway all right uh and now jeremy we come to this time i think you, you probably know um that we uh we're doing a segment that we do on most shows where we ask uh we ask Bridget, what she thought of the, the, the movie, or I sat down and watched it with her last night. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I'm so, I'm so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to sit down and find out what did Bridget think? Now it's my turn. Hi. Bridget, like straight up, what did you think? Of t- um, First of all, what were you doing in 1996? What was I doing? Being amazing and not watching that show. Yeah. I did not know it existed until a few weeks ago when you made me watch it. You really set myself up for that one. And uh, you said before I started watching it, you gave me all these disclaimers like, oh, you know, it's 90s. Oh, they made it into an action movie. Oh, that's not very good. Blah, blah, blah. You gave all these excuses about it. So when I went to watch it, I was thinking, okay, you're going to have to watch a really terrible movie. And then when I watched it, it was like, oh, it wasn't as bad as Dan said. <laughs> and then it was cool. So you enjoyed it more than I made you think you were going to enjoy it. Yes. Because I talked it down a heap. Yes. Because I'm a bad person. Yes, but I think maybe I wouldn't have watched it. You know, if you hadn't been like, you should just talk it up a little bit more. Just like, just grab that. Well, you, but you lo- it's, it's got a little, don't you think it's got like a little element, it's so bad it's good. And Bridget, oh, definitely. Bridget loves that. You like that stuff. So Bridget, I thought, I've I, got one question. Oh, here we go. One of many, but the first one being, is Paul McGann dishy? Yes. Ah. He is very dishy. You guys, you know that. Yeah, we do. What We're all th- in love with him. What did you think of McGann's Doctor? Because uh, I liked him. So you just straight up liked him? Straight up liked him. What did you like about him? I was sad that that was it. Why is that it? Did you know it was a wig? No. Oh, the wig. Yeah, I didn't realize until this time. I looked it up on. I looked up some trivia. Did or something. not know that, and didn't need to know that. No. Did you know that? Because uh, uh, not. Did you know that it was actually sort of the pilot, kind of a testing ground type of thing for a possible American series? Oh, I did not 
Actually, yes, of course I knew that. You were talking over the top of the whole movie, I, I, giving me all these little tips. <laughs> we gotta, we have to I was sitting there with my little lemon on, I was eating my chicken stick, just going, oh. Chicken stick? So what would you think if I told you that uh, actually the movie was kind of a pilot for a possible American series that never happened? Well, would you have watched that series with Paul McGann as the Doctor? No. Ooh. In 1996 or now? Oh, well, we've already established that in 1996 you wouldn't have been caught dead watching Doctor Who. No, that's uh, true. I was really it, cool. It would have uh, been I, in 1997. Were you cool? <laughs> yeah, I was cool enough to know that that would not get you anywhere in a well, social hierarchy. Well, I don't know. But... At the same time, I just don't think I knew anything about Doctor Who other than the 80s Doctor Who, you know? like sure. It was like Tom, Tom Baker, Tom Baker. at 6pm when you're trying to eat your dinner every day. You'd watch Tom Baker in Doctor Who and that's all it was. Like I didn't know that movie existed. I didn't know any sure. of the there was previous Doctors. I didn't know there was going to be future Doctors. But I mean, taking it out of the time, like if you were... If you were to watch it now, I mean, if you were, if you were to come, I with... did watch it now. <laughs> I know, you but... made me watch this movie. I know. I'm it sorry. Was... Well, it sounds like you're really upset about it. Did you did you not enjoy it? I enjoyed the chicken sticks, Aiden. I did enjoy the movie. I I thought it was actiony. Would you watch a series? Would you watch a short series of '90s Paul McGann being in a Doctor Who America, yes. American made Vancouver yes. filmed? Would you watch it? I would definitely watch Paul McGann as a Doctor. Nice. Definitely, he was so yeah. good. Yeah, and he dishy. is. He's good. Shall we? Shall we address the one of the million elephants in the room with this movie? The plot. Did you understand it? Because uh, yes. I still don't understand it. Yes, it was essentially for children that movie. I didn't understand <laughs> it. That's a huge burn. I, I found that like way it's more easier terrible. than most of the episodes you've made me watch. Oh well, I mean, it's less confusing than Inferno. <laughs> oh my god. Let's ask another big burning question. What do you think about the the nineteen ninety six Eric Roberts American Master? Oh my gosh, he was. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> it was just bad. You didn't like him? He was wooden. He was like He was wooden. St- he was a stereotypical Yikes. bad guy. So he wasn't he wasn't He didn't in- have depth. He was he like, wasn't, He wasn't out there you. enough for you. He wasn't outlandish enough for you. He wasn't crazy enough. Well, he was, Some would say Bridget, he's the he, the most outlandish. He is the most outlandish, but in a way that's just he's not believable. He's not like oh. he's like a villain. He didn't have a beard, am I right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, he's just like, oh, brains, kind of, you know, like, I know. I, you know what I mean? Like, he was just like, sure. The, all that bad all that, guy. All that leather in the um the aviators didn't help. What about the motorcycle chase? The all important motorcycle chase. I forgot it. Didn't register. I don't remember that. <laughs> was there romance so in this one? I can't. Yes. This, 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 you, you raise a good point. Uh, was there romance? Exactly. Was there? Was there? There certainly was. Uh, and in some Grace circles of Doctor Who fandom, I believe it's quite controversial. Not that I would know, but yes, was apparently it is. Was there making out? Do you, do you find the making out offensive as a Doctor I Who fan? Remember. Or did you like it? I don't oh. remember it. The first time he's ever kissed a girl. Yeah. Americans. Let's put that out there. I, I reckon. forgot. Yes, please. Okay, final thoughts on this Doctor Who movie is if... Um, you were eating Little Lebanon chicken sticks and you have um, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. else to do, which is delicious, mm-hmm. then this movie is okay. If you're a little bit drunk, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you just sit there, watch a bit of a movie. It's action-y, it's American-y. It doesn't feel like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It feels more like, you know, like a B-grade action movie. Um, I like the beginning where um, the old Doctor was in there and like the time travel stuff. I think it was really good. But... I wouldn't watch it if you hadn't made me watch it. And I definitely didn't watch it in 1996. Thank you. 
Okay. Ooh, Ooh. Far out. Oh, mixed review. That's ah, really she went there. Ooh. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, I'll try not to take it personally, Bridget, okay? I was a big <laughs> fan until this moment, and now I'm reconsidering my whole feelings on, on the Bridget segment. So. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Hurts a little bit. You legend. Oh, <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Cool. We've had, um, well, we've had three people actually write in. Ah. Uh, a chap called Doug we had, Graham. Well, we've got, we got an email? Yeah. Oh, we got, okay. we did get an email. All right. Uh, Doug Graham was very kind enough to sort of write in and say wonderful things about us and also about the Legopolis episode. Uh, he shares our opinion, Cole. You'd be pleased to know that yep. Legopolis is not just a brilliant Doctor Who sci-fi story, but actually a brilliant sci-fi story mm. full stop. Yeah. So that was really nice. Thank you very much, Doug. I really, we really do appreciate Thank the, you, Doug. the correspondence. Um, also, well, Bob Gilby, who is a now friend of the podcast, we can we can say, yeah, oh, uh, yes. who we who we know through our friends at Flight Through Entirety, yeah, got in touch and didn't leave us an email. He actually sent us a couple of files, a couple of stories that he has about the TV movie. Yeah. Oh, really? One in particular, very very interesting. <laughs> Look, I might just uh, drop that really? at the end of the episode as a bit of an Easter egg for people yeah. to Ooh. to listen to. Very Ooh, post very credit sequence. Yeah, post credits. Uh, okay, so okay. Keep right through to the end. Bob, thank you so much for that. We really do appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. That's really kind of you. And the third, my sister, Lisa, because yeah. this, as I say, is her doctor. This yeah. is her Doctor Who story. And oh. Paul McGann is very much the doctor that she grew up with, yeah. I guess. So I'll just read a few words, if I can, really mm. quickly from of course. her. Uh, Lisa says that to me, after having the classic series cancelled, it felt like all hope was lost. Then when the movie came out, it was so exciting at the age of around about 10 to see him resurrect. Mm. It was sad that it never picked up, but it was enough to launch a strong image of the eighth and sense of his voice when reading the new adventures from mm. BBC mm-hmm. Books. Mm. That Grace is an incredibly strong, intelligent woman. Uh, Chang Lee's like Turlo, as we said before, and the master yeah. is a Joss Whedon baddie. <laughs> if the show ever was made in, in, in America, it would have sat very neatly amongst Buffy, Mortal Kombat, Xena, and Charmed. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she's, she's got great things to say about the, yeah. about the movie I, and also about Paul I'm just really McGann. intrigued with the idea of, of this movie being your, your, your intro. Me too. I find yeah. it so like, interesting yeah. as an idea. Yeah. yeah. It's so, it's like I've changed my whole f- thoughts about that because I remember come, before we came in today, I was thinking, <laughs> we can't call it an entry point into Doctor Who, surely. <laughs> like, we can't. Well, but the fact of the matter is, it is for some. And it, yeah. Even though it's really weird and you wouldn't might, might consider it an intro because it's kind of a side, yeah, side, kind of as an experiment that goes off to the side. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it must have been that way for the, And he said, she said she was about 10. Yeah, they're about Imagine yeah. watching this as a 10 year old. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's I a different it. thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a different thing. It's yeah. got a, a wild, crazy, amazing um, protagonist, mm, an yeah. alien mm-hmm. who's yeah. intelligent and then yeah. very handsome as well. He's like, <laughs> but also well dressed and like, um, yeah. he just looks great. Great cool, hair. Looks great. And then you've got a, a great companion. Uh, a cr- insane villain, yeah, <laughs> and lots of things happen. There's bike chases, there's explosions. Is there explosions? Maybe there's no explosions. Uh, oh, no, hang on, there must be some. Uh, I think we saw mind. some pa- planets exploding on there's the There's definitely yeah. fireworks, oh, yeah. Yeah. So let me tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Ooh. and I think that, yeah, totally. It's totally justified. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So thank you, Lisa. Again. Yeah, thank you. That was, yeah, I like that. I, I like, like getting it. her yeah. take on these kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, I, yeah. And uh, lastly, we'll have to share the love. There's two podcasts mm. uh, that I just want to uh, share the love with to our sweet dogs. If you haven't listened already, Who Back When mm. uh, are going through all of Classic and New Who uh, in separate streams. They've um, ah. st- started way back with An Unearthly Child. They're now in the, into the Hinchcliffe and Holmes era. Oh, cool. Um, and, and, and they're great in the sense that um, they're new to Who entirely and they're, and they're working their way through it. Oh, oh you're, t- you're telling blind. me that they haven't watched it previously. Yeah, uh, one of the, the chaps, uh, Leon, ha- actually has sort 
sort of distinct or not so distinct memories of ah, um, sure. of childhood Doctor Who. Right. But they're sort of going through this in a That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, cool. that's a great know. idea. And and the other one we were talking before about the eighth Doctor Adventures from BBC Books. Yeah. And also the new adventures mm. as the sort of gap between survival and the T V movie. Mm. A plug for the all new Doctor Who book club, mm. which takes over the um the old podcast that Eric Stadnick used to do. And they are sort of Picking at random almost mm. uh, stories from past doctors and, and current doctors uh, in print form. So give them a follow as well. Oh, that's great. That's, idea. Yeah. that's really cool. Can I, I've got to share the love or a shout out even. Hello to the West Lodge Perth Doctor oh. Who fan. Hey. Um, <laughs> I was a member many, many years ago. I know for a fact you guys are still going strong. Uh, and I'm really intrigued as to whether any members even listen to us because we are a Perth Doctor Who podcast. As far as we know, the only one, but that's only as far as, as we far know. As far as we know. Well, yeah. Are we the only one? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a shout out to the West Lodge. Good days. So last thing before we go, I just wanted to say, I think we all want to say a huge thanks Thank to you. Jeremy. My goodness. Thanks so much for coming on with us. It's been really, really fun to oh, hear your, yeah. not only your take as a fan, but as someone who participated, to hear <laughs> the stories, but also oh. just, to hear your, just to hear your take on it, because it's been really fun. Yeah, and, and thank you for having me. I'm, as I say, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm proud to be a sweet dork. And uh, oh. just uh, really, really great to be on and talk with you guys. And it was it was a lot of fun. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, come again, please. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Anytime, anytime. Jeremy Raddick, Doctor Who Royalty, thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, guys. You can buy the DVD of the Doctor Who movie from BBC Online or stream it on many different platforms. You can follow New to Who on Twitter at New to Who Podcast and also Facebook or even email us at New to Who Podcast at gmail.com. All our episodes can be found at New to Who.com on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And if you feel like uh, clicking subscribe or leaving a billion star review, these things are a big help to us. We hate goodbyes. So until next time, I'm Jeremy. I'm Colin. I'm Stephen. I'm Daniel. Thanks for having us. Be seeing you. Stephen. I'm Cole. And I'm Bob. So now, guys, you see, some people call me a name dropper because I've had the privilege of working with so much of the cast and crew of classic Doctor Who and some of the new guys as well, uh, working through a convention company um, based in Sydney. And this has allowed me to have some conversations with some of the actors, and we've talked about some things that weren't necessarily asked on stage, mainly because of, and... Uh, I suppose the best way to put it, and it's fitting for this podcast, since, uh, as Christopher H. Bidmead said on this podcast, the last question you should always ask is, is there anything that I forgot to ask you? But two people in particular have given me some background information as on the movie that is quite interesting. Uh, one of them, of course, is Sylvester McCoy himself. And he told me this one one night. We were actually having drinks at a cocktail party. He was telling me, when he first received the script, he was excited. He was going to be going to Canada to film for America. 
and he got his script, and it was a great script where he had a big heroic scene at the end that caused him to regenerate, probably about three quarters of the way through, which in itself would have made an interesting Doctor Who story, because of course, normally when we get a regeneration, it happens right at the end, 30 seconds before the cliffhanger. And this was going to be an interesting one, because it was going to allow Paul McGann, the new Doctor, to have about 15 to 20 minutes on screen before the end of the movie. And then came the rewrites. He got the new draft, and Paul McGann got about 40 minutes in the movie. And then came the next draft, and Sylvester was only in half of the movie. And then he got his next draft, and he was in it even less. And in the final draft, he wasn't in it at all. He called them up and said, I'm sorry, I thought I was supposed to be in this. Uh, didn't you want the continuity? And they realized that he'd made a good point there, and so he got another script, which was the script we finally got on screen. He said the original scene where the Doctor was going to regenerate was when the Eye of Harmony was opened. It just kept changing from there. He, he couldn't unfortunately remember at the time what the other regenerations were going to be, but he did say that he loved that whilst his Doctor was seen as the one who knew absolutely every single thing that was going on and you couldn't trick this Doctor, the way that he died was just perfect. Walk out of the TARDIS and be shot. It was something, of course, the Doctor couldn't plan on, it was nothing that he knew was going to happen before. He hadn't had time to manipulate the situation. Although, as Sylvester himself does say, he says he probably would have survived the bullets. It was the American healthcare system that ended up killing him. Well, the other thing about this movie, of course, is we might never have gotten this movie. There was another convention I was working, and I was transporting a couple of the actors between the hotel and the venue for the convention, and very strange feeling to have Terence Dix, script editor for John Pertwee, sitting in my front seat, telling me this story that was just absolutely amazing. But it wasn't me that asked the question. It was actually Katie Manning, who was sitting in the back seat with Matthew Waterhouse, and it's quite funny because Katie is the one that brought this up. We were talking about something and I honestly don't remember what it was. But then Katie said, Oh, Terence, you and I have worked together for so long. There is nothing that you know that I don't know. And he turns back to her and says, Well, actually, Katie, there is one thing. In 1994, as best he could remember, that was the year. He and Barry Letts were at a convention in America, and they got a phone call from someone at the BBC whilst they were in America, and it's, they were told that the company, and he can't remember which production company it was, but the company that had the rights to make the Doctor Who movie had just hired their director. But their director knew nothing about Doctor Who, but he respected the program enough that he wanted to speak to people who had worked on the show before to get an understanding of the show before he made the movie. And so they agreed to meet him for lunch. And of course, anyone who knows Terence Dix knows that Terence Dix likes a nice Chinese meal. And so of course, they went to a local Chinese restaurant in Los Angeles. Barry and Terence are sitting down at the table waiting for this director to show up. And they had no idea who this director was going to be. So they'd heard the rumors themselves, you know, that it was Steven Spielberg going to be the director or someone else of that caliber. And they'd been sitting down for about 10 minutes when the director shows up. And he sits down in front of them. And both of them were shocked. Because sitting in front of them was Leonard Nimoy. They got asked the question that every Doctor Who fan loves being asked. Tell me everything you know about Doctor Who. 
and their meeting proceeded to go for about three hours, he said he remembered. At the end of it, Barry and Terence had arranged with the BBC to send over some tapes to Leonard so that Leonard could see some back history of Doctor Who. And then about two or three months later, Terence actually got a uh, letter from Leonard Nimoy. I have watched every episode of Doctor Who I can. This show is amazing. I can't believe I haven't seen it before. But unfortunately, I will not be able to direct it. And Terence almost stopped reading there, but then he read that the letter kept going and said, The reason is I now respect this show immensely. And what the production company want me to do would absolutely ruin Doctor Who forever. All they wanted Leonard Nimoy to do was to go out and take some long shots of deserts or rainforests or quarries or just a city landscape. The reason for this was the production company had the rights to Doctor Who, but then didn't plan on doing anything with it, but they wanted to keep the rights for Doctor Who. Well, you see, their contract for the rights had an expiration date, but in there it stipulated that so long as filming had begun, they could maintain the rights until filming was completed. Well, it didn't stipulate that you had to be filming actors or a story, it just said that you had to have someone on board as a director filming for Doctor Who, and that's all they wanted Leonard Nimoy to do. Well, of course, Leonard Nimoy had too much respect for the show after understanding its fan base and its culture that he said that he didn't want to ruin it that way. So he allowed the production company to lapse its contract. So we were that close to having Doctor Who with Leonard Nimoy as its showrunner, and that's just an amazing thing to think of. Of course, a couple years later, we get the telly movie as we have it now. The response from the back seat was shock. Katie Manning was sitting there going, so we almost had a connection with Star Trek. And Matthew Waterhouse is also sitting in the back seat, and he's just got this big grin on his face because, of course, he's a fanboy of both shows. And then Terrence says that in 2005, he got an email from Leonard Nimoy. He had said that he'd just seen The Long Game. And he said, I've just been watching Doctor Who. It is magnificent. And I'm glad that I let the opportunity slip me by. According to Terence, up until that point, now this was in 2013, 2014, he said that he and Leonard had been emailing each other back and forth, discussing the episode of the week. And, oh my, if anyone could get a hold of those emails. 